Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels, and an engine and they keep score it's on midweek motorsport hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. This is April the 8th, 2015 at Series 10, Episode 15. Uh, this is the episode when everyone is getting ready to decant to Silverstone. I was there earlier on this afternoon, and uh, indeed, we have an exclusive from Silverstone, which Ooh. comes up very, very shortly. But first, let me introduce uh, the... Uh, the studio guests up in London. Our executive producer is Tim Greer. Hello, Tim. Hello, John. And uh, to my near right, and the only man in the household this evening without a beard, it's Joe... Well, you know, we say that. (laughs) Sam, are you listening? Um, The very fresh-faced Joe Bradley. Good evening, Joe. Good evening, everyone. I feel a lot younger between you two guys. Mm. That's not what everybody says. I know. Nick Damon is one further over to the right. Why do you feel younger? Because I'm the only one who hasn't a beard, and you all everyone look like, says you all look like people have said to me. People said to me, but that you are beard makes you look younger. I am. You're Sorry, just, you're just my fat Tintin, and I'm Captain Haggard. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And, uh, enough of that. Uh, Marshall Pruitt is here as well. He also has a fantastic motorsport beard, uh, and he will be uh, with us in the, the later part of tonight's program. Adrian Suit will keep going, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Don't even. Is I'm he not with us him. now? I'm going. He he is with us in that he's in Hindhoff Towers, but he is enjoying the chocolate and pear upside down cake uh, at the moment. Can I enjoy uh, it? Uh, only virtually. Only, yes, only vicariously. <laughs> I think I could be there by the end of the show. Please you save can't me, Tom. drive. How There'll be no cake there? left, on, Tim. There'll be no cake left by no the time you get here. No cake left by then. Yeah. No, not with this voracious set of vultures that are here. Um, vicarious, voracious and vultures. Obviously tonight uh, is brought to you by the uh, Letter V. On a pack programme tonight, Tim, we have what? We have all the usual features and the return of a feature we haven't done for several months. Oh, really? Yes. That, that makes me excited but a bit scared as well. A bit scared. Uh, we've got special guests coming out of our ears. Well, not literally, obviously, because that would be a bit strange. And Nick's pulled a face there. I don't want that. No. <laughs> they are literally coming out of your ears. Yeah, uh, but first our exclusive. Oh, you, you, you keep fading me down. You're not going to get the. You're not going to get the. the very, I'm very into. I'm into the whole thing today. I've decided. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. You need um, to. You need to keep Nick's microphone on so that you, a little he bit. Can, so that he can actually react to these big news uh, features. Um, in the second hour of tonight's program, we'll have Marshall Pruitt. We'll be talking at Mortal GP. Also looking forward Will to we? the weekend. 
Uh, no other one. We'll has anything British... happened in MotoGP no. since we last talked we'll... about it? I don't think it has. We'll be talking MotoGP only to say nothing's happened and wasn't British Superbike <laughs> excellent in the weekend. He says pulling that one back off Brilliant. the lock stops. Uh, and... Uh, we've got a couple of guests uh, phoning in as well. No Graham Goodwin tonight because he's obviously far too busy getting ready for our WEC preview uh, two-parter, uh, which comes up straight after this show tonight. Um, and we've already uh, just I mean, already had the ELMS preview, so we're just treating you so well. But let's give you our exclusive... No. So I play the news jingle? No. Yes, play the news jingle. All the latest motorsport news Auto. from around the world. Midweek motorsport. So there it is. Right, okay, if you say so. <laughs> Hold that up to you. Hope, you want me to turn hope, the jingle up? Ho- oh, there we go. There we go. Hope, hopefully that recorded your end. And stop coughing as well. Um, right, okay, so uh, big news coming out of uh, Silverstone today with the Tequila Patron ASM team informing us that Johannes van Overbeck won't be making the trip to the first round of the FIA World Endurance Champions this week. And Johannes has done something that I can not even imagine how painful it will be. He has a rib injury Ow. and having had that myself... Ow, that, can't oh, get up. It's yeah. awful. Not it's, no, they can't, they can't do anything for you. You just have to sit there and bear it. You just have to basically grin and bear he, he, it. You wouldn't be able to drive. It's very, very hard in a car like the prototype. I, I Sebastian Baudet drove at uh, Sebring and St. at St. Pete with with broken ribs. I cracked my rib passing my cart test with an ill-fitting seat. Mm-hmm. Mm. Can be done. Yeah, um, do. I'm suffering at the moment from rib injuries that were cart-induced many years ago, and I've got a rib that keeps popping out. And Ow! Sort of, it's horrible. And it's sitting out at the moment, and it's not very pleasant at all. So oh, we wish... rib poking out, is it? My ribs, yes. Um... No, it's, it's a long time they haven't told John they can see his ribs. Yeah, well, <laughs> say that, that one. Uh, so, Johannes van Overbeck, we wish you the very best. And the team have been telling us that uh, they'll be releasing the name of the driver to replace Johannes this weekend. Have, however, we've got the exclusive, and we spoke to him this afternoon at Silverstone. And this is what he said. An interesting one and an unexpected one. Uh, And that was that I was told, uh, well, asked uh, today whether or not I'd like to race at Silverstone in the WEC race uh, for Extreme Speed Motorsport, which is a team I know very well. Uh, They've got the the old P2 HPD car that that I know very well as well. Um, One of their drivers is injured, Johannes van Overbeek. And so uh, he can't he can't do this race, and they needed a, a quick sub. So uh, so you've said no, obviously, because you'd rather be sitting at home with your feet up. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I only live thirty five minutes away, exactly. and, and you know, they're a great bunch of guys. I really do enjoy driving with them, and you know, if I can help them out uh, throughout this period, then then great. So that's an exclusive here on Midweek Motorsport. That's the first anyone's heard of it. This car you know very well, of course. You drove it at Shanghai at the back end of last year, most uh, recently. It's not where they wanted to be in terms of the machinery that we were expecting to see them field here. But it's a car that, you, as you said, they know very well, you know very well. And it's not the worst thing to have a well-known piece of kit in an endurance race, is it? Well, yeah, exactly. I think, um, yeah, it may be not be the quickest because they should, they should be quicker than that car out there with the new ones, you know, the new coupes. 
but you know it's a car that they know quite well and I know well I mean hell I mean it's <laughs> the DNA in that thing is my mm. DNA for, since 07 you mm-hmm. know what I mean so I, I, I know it really well so um, yeah I mean at the end of the day what they're looking for is getting points until they get the new car and uh, that's the objective and, and I'll help out wherever I can on the Dunlop rubber, which the guys ran at Shanghai and loved, they've done some more uh, data collection at the at the prologue at Ricard. This is I've, I, you guys are playing it down here, but this car could be competitive. Not as you say, perhaps in outright speed, but there's a lot of new cars out there, and sometimes new cars don't last. Yeah, I mean we'll have to wait and see, but um, yeah, obviously we're on the Dunlops, which we got. I got some experience at Shanghai because I was with them then. Mm. Um, and it's great, you know, for me. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at the future of, of Brabham Racing coming into this field. And yeah. I, get, I get to race, see how all the cars are performing, what are the tyres like. Um, so I'm gathering up quite a lot of data uh, for us when we make decisions about which, which car and which tyre we go with. Was it an easy or difficult decision for you to say yes? Because there was some thought that after we'd seen you at Bathurst at the start of the year, that might be your last major league race of of any description has it helped make a positive decision that you know the team and know the car so well well you know i mean obviously i've been so busy with project (laughs) brabham um i haven't had really much time to think about my own driving and uh but i keep getting offers (laughs) to to go and drive and of course you're good david i keep telling you this (laughs) well you know what i think the biggest thing is when when my wife when i got got the call i told my wife she says i can see the grin on your face already you know what i mean so if that if that's the case it means i still enjoy it and i still love it so uh i'm very much looking forward to it well we wish you all the best be safe and the best of luck with project brabham as well i'm always going to say enjoy this weekend but you're clearly going to do just that david absolutely mate yeah thank you very much and thank you to esm for asking me as well and we'll have more from david brabham later in the show Yes, yes, we will, because uh, we've got an update on uh, Project uh, Brabham. The uh, It's interesting, Nick, uh, obviously bad news for uh, Johannes van Overbeck, but a more than adequate replacement, as, as David yeah. says. In some ways, better that they've got the old car, because he knows the car. No, I mean, it's, it's a jump in and go, isn't it? He's even got a kind of a bank of knowledge for that car. I mean, I mean he ran that... Uh, comprehensively in the LMS didn't he yeah and well he as he said there effectively that's his DNA he developed that chassis from early on and Joey raced it as recently at the back end of last year with ASM on the Dunlap tyres at uh, at Shanghai in the FIAWEC so it's going to be like putting an old pair of shoes on isn't it for Brabs it's great to hear what um what his wife Lisa, said, yeah. what Lisa said about um, he was probably being acting very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll think professional face I'll on. Think about it. Put the race face on. Yeah, but inside he's because you know what? Until they're knocking the last nail in the box, we're all racers and we all love to race. Doesn't matter how old we are. He was smiling all the way through that interview. Okay. Uh, he, it, it's started it looked like it might be coming together yesterday evening and by the time that uh, i got to silverstone today and to speak to to brabs about project brabham which we'll hear that as tim says a bit later on uh, it, he was talking to rob hill from asm as i walked out of the wing to speak to him and literally he just handed rob his driver's license to go and check it with the steward of the meeting tremendous so that that 
that was literally coming hot off the press. And thank you very much to Susan and the rest of the PR team uh, from Tequila Patron ASM for allowing us to break that story. Their press release will be going out in literally a minute uh, or two, confirming that David Brabham. So that's another exclusive here on Midweek. We have been knocking them out of the park. It's been exclusively exclusive. It has been very, very exclusive indeed. Uh, so that's the start there, if you like, of our coverage of the FIA World Endurance Championship in ELMS from Silverstone this weekend. It's the, the start WAC- of our coverage of the FIA World Endurance Championship, but of course our uh, ELMS very coverage good started an hour ago and yes, 12 it did. minutes. Yes, and you and missed it. it. Um, however, was Neil it? It, it was uh, it was uh, it was very good. I've been told. Really? Yeah. Well done. The uh, the WEC preview coming up at ten o'clock with GT and LMP two. Then at eleven o'clock for the LMP one category. So a big bumper Wednesday for you. Right with Nick here and Joe here, we better have some news. So Tim, what have you got for us before we move on very much further? We're going to stay with sports cars. Okay. Uh, and uh, it was the opening rounds of the British GT Championship on Bank Holiday Monday. Yes, it was. Right. Okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll pass this one then. And to paraphrase Terry Jones. What, off Monty Python? Off Monty mm-hmm. Python. From Adam Carroll. Was he a very naughty boy? He was. Mm-hmm. He's not the Messiah. He's not the racing driver you thought he was. He's a very naughty boy. Was and this is the sound of Nick Damon not talking about this story. No, sorry, but I want to ask a question. Was he, was he as naughty as Rob Austin? Was Rob Austin naughtier? We'll come on to Rob Austin much later on. OK. <laughs> uh, but it all started uh, with a press release uh, saying uh, that uh, the opening round of the... British GT Championship had been won by Gary Eastwood and Adam Carroll in the FF Mm. Corsa Ferrari 458 Italia. Right. And then five hours later, uh, there was one saying, actually, no, they didn't win it. Uh, Yeah. And uh, that uh, Matt Griffin and Rory Butcher, sorry, Liam Griffin and Rory Butcher um, had been uh, promoted to victory uh, because Adam Carroll had blocked the Aston Martin Vantage, uh, of which at the time was being driven by Butcher, uh, when he was leaving the pits. Mm. It was a weekend. And for... then in the second race... All right, OK, sorry, go on. Uh, Carroll and Eastwood were given yet another penalty. Although which that was did for? Just, that didn't affect the results, uh, because uh, it was taken while they were in the pits. Mm, OK. Um, it was a weekend, Nick, of penalties. It was. That is you. That is me, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry. How about that? Is that better? No. Uh, no. You just need to stop breathing quite so heavily. I've got neo flu. Neo which flu. You... Yes, it's from the neo event I was at the weekend, which John rescued me at. Hmm. I think the beard would filter it. Yeah. Well. Oh. I think propagates it. Did a little virgin face there. <laughs> Well, that was a very long time ago. So you got your, what, what, what other penalties are you referring to, John? I was I was in the shed for four days, so I have my I have limited experience outside the world. Actually, I meant to do apologies for absence earlier on, so I'll quickly go back to that because a number of people said if you need to fill a bit of time tonight, just read out the penalties that were applied at the weekend. That'll kill 45 <laughs> minutes. Uh, Alexander Orkin says apologies for absence tonight. Doing auto composites in the UK this time. Oh, how I want to tell all. Come on, Alex. There's, there's only us. Uh, and uh, 
also to now uh, who did I say it was I think it's Alan Prosser isn't it who is busy keeping London safe tonight uh, he's excused uh, as well Rob Jane is already listening he's not allowed Craig Mace I like apologies for absence tonight <laughs> I'm right writing the Lama's unofficial biography which is very good very good indeed uh, it's uh, now too late for your apologies oh, for absence. It's got tough now. Well, no, I mean, it's, we've started, so... You're gonna if you're going to apologise, you might as well do that on time. Yes, exactly. Yes, uh, it's absolutely. Uh, driving standards shocking at the British GT. Ginettas and VWs in support, was just as bad, says rotation. And uh, Mike Smith says, apologies, can't listen live, but we'll tune in for 10 for, for the WEC preview. Attending to restless children. The... Way past their bedtime. Yeah, well, I'll just have them listen to us. Just uh, use some of the... We'll uh, send them to sleep. Antihistamine, that'll send them to sleep. It's a bit fennigan, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, Peritone. Yeah, yeah, bang it in. Jason has said, loving uh, listening to Midweek Motorsport on the radio whilst I barbecue. Uh, very good. Excellent. A whole day of eye exams, so going for the... Uh, Going for the podcast, Hang as Carlos Villa Lobos. Was he, was he taking an exam at the Apple Stop then? Mm-hmm. So there we go. There, so there's some of the apologies for absence for tonight at Spectatainment, at Radio Le Mans, of course. So why, why was British GT so full of penalties? Uh, it, it, it was just particular. Look, it's the first round of the season. Maybe the clerk, of course, is putting a line in the sand early. It's a very big field. And it's also... Uh, a lot of new drivers, a lot of rookie drivers there, and indeed uh, we'll be speaking to one in a few moments. So was time. it was it driving standards or doing silly things like overtaking under the yellows or? But surely they've only got themselves to blame for the uh, all these rookie drivers because they've given themselves a set of regulations that effectively make it uncompetitive to have anyone with experience in the car. Just Ooh, ask that, Michael Kane. Yes, exactly. Uh, it is better to have bronze and bronze in the car or bronze and plasticine as I would be (laughs) you've got if you're going to have rules and regulations though you have got to police them and you've got to impose penalties or else there's no point in having any regs because the people who don't cheat or infringe any kind of rule then and get away with it without a penalty then there's no point in having the rule. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know the exact rules. I'm intrigued to see because I haven't seen anything of British GT. I was going to go to Wilton Park as well. Yes. And I don't know why I didn't. I'm so pleased I didn't go to meet you there. Yes, well, I was yes, going to go as well. Yeah, but nobody would come with us. I wouldn't. I, I would. Donington Park and Telford. Billy Normit. Okuyama, Donington Park and Telford. My three motorsport events at the weekend. That's pretty cool. Tim, do, do you know what, exactly what you mean by he blocked? Um, he blocked Griffin coming out of the pits or something. Exactly. Was what it, it a deliberate block? It, it was judged. It, it was a judge it was to be, clearly, clearly judged to be so. Yeah. Right. Don't forget, in British GT, part of the balance of performance is your pit stop times, and therefore, if you block someone or slow their entrance or exit into the pit, it can make a big difference mm. to what goes on. Yeah. And um, the racing line at uh, Alton Park is uh, on the opposite side of the track to uh, where you re-emerge from the pit lane. Yes, but was it going in? Or was it coming out? Was it Tim? Coming out, apparently. Oh, right, okay. Mm, that's very odd. Well, so sure. Carol uh, was was on the track, and he came across to the to the right hand side of the track, and and held him up coming out. Tried to hold his position. He would have to slow off massively. No, 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 no. Somebody coming out of the pits, I believe, 
Ah, is this right, Tim? I believe what happened was the the driver emerging from the pits cut straight across onto the racing line in order to try and hold his position coming out of the pits. No, I believe it's the other way round. Hmm. All right. But as none of us have uh, been able to see this because there's uh, no TV coverage of it, uh, we all have to wait. This wasn't one of the live rounds then? No. No. No, Is that because it's a bit difficult to get four cameras to cover Alton Park? There will be live rounds later on in the season, of course. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's 20 minutes past eight. Don't forget, coming up tonight still uh, on our bumper Wednesday, we've already had the ELMS. That will be podcast as quickly as is humanly possible. Uh, And uh, Tim will have that up as quick as he can. And we've got at 10 o'clock the GT and LMP2 preview for WEC. And at 11 o'clock, or thereabouts at least, uh, the... LMP1 preview something that I can tell you well actually no we'll wait because we've got somebody waiting on the telephone now to talk to us who was at British GT uh, at the weekend in GT4 making their debut Uh, good evening and welcome to Midweek Motorsport to Jade Edwards hello how are we oh I'm very well indeed how was the uh, how was the first weekend I I dare say the results sheet didn't perhaps uh, tell the the full story 13th in the first race in class and and 12th in the second yes i have to say it was a a bit of a challenging weekend for us um but we knew it would be we've had no pre-season testing um we've got a new team and and a freshly built car so we knew it was going to be a massive challenge and our aim for that weekend was to just have two race finishes which we achieved we've learned a massive amount the team worked so hard all weekend um, we had our fair share of problems on Saturday, I have to say. I think uh, there was something went wrong on the pit stops or with the car, something in every session. But for Sunday, we worked tirelessly. And by uh, Monday, we were up to scratch and we were feeling a lot more confident. So, yeah, like you said, on paper, it wasn't great. But essentially, we just had all our pre-season and our little gremlins to start the year off at round one rather than, you know, in February. <laughs> Yeah, and it's always hard, isn't it, when you come into a new championship or a new championship season. Effectively, what you've done there is you've done your pre-season testing in a race meeting, and and that's never going to be satisfactory. The good news is, though, you have got two finishes, and you can, I presume, you're going to take the positives from that, Jade, both you and your sister and the team, and and say, right, we've achieved that. Let's use that as a stepping stone to go forward. Exactly. Essentially. In our eyes, our season starts from Rockingham onwards. We always knew that autumn was going to be a learning curve. The positives to take from it that my race pace was, you know, not bad. It was good. We know the car's got the potential. We've got a brilliant car with the Aston Martin, obviously. Um, and Chloe's lap times were improving every time she went out. You know, she was doing green sectors every time. So that's all I want, you know. She, she was constantly improving. And, and Rockingham's a circuit we both know. So that's when our season will start. You've driven with your sister before, of course, but this is a, a new challenge. How did you two gel as a driving team in the GT4 category? Yeah, so we've driven before, but we've only actually driven together once previous to this season. So it's still very new to us, uh, but we spent the Sunday doing pit stop practices and things like that. But we're a very strong uh, family and we know each other very well. So we gel straight away. We're both very competitive we're both aiming for the same the same goal. So there was no issues with us at all. And no. I'm so proud and happy to have my sister alongside me and teach her as much as I can in this short space of time. Sports car racing, endurance racing, always effectively about compromise because you can never have the car 
exactly the way you want it. It means that your two drivers have to have a, a similar driving style. Is is that the case for you and Chloe? Yes, essentially uh, throughout our career, we've been very similar on pace. So so we're both very capable of, of putting in a good lap time. The only thing with Chloe, she's a little bit less experienced because she's been out in the sport for a few years now. So it's all about getting her up to speed. I know she's got it in her. It's just building her confidence up. But essentially, we drive the same car and we like the same things. We're not scared of oversteer. We both don't like understeer. So I set the car up and she's then always able to drive that car that I've given her. Which is all good news. And so much of this sport is in the head. It's about confidence. And going back to Rockingham, a circuit, as you've said, that you both know well. It's a circuit that... Uh, is quite technical, actually, a little bit more technical than I think people give it credit for. I've I've raced GT4 Ginetta there before, and that was a baptism of, of fire for me. But it gives you guys the opportunity to get in there and do what you know you can do. So 12th and 13th, difficult and dangerous to make predictions, but want to be in the top 10, I would think, at the very least, Jade, in the next outing. Definitely. I mean... I think the place that we may struggle is qualifying because these guys are coming straight out the box and putting in a time straight away. And we may take a few laps to warm up to that. But I think that race-wise, we're both racers. We both want to move forward. We both know how to work with traffic. And um, I think that's where we're going to excel, obviously, with the Aston. It's a brilliant car over a long distance. So we've we've definitely got something that will carry us uh, to a good result. And we know that as drivers, we're, we're aiming to do that as well. It's bizarre to me that we still put so much store on a single flying lap in qualifying when it's an endurance race. And actually, there's a real skill, is there, not to switching the tyres on and getting the best out of the tyres as early in that stint as you can when you're doing the, uh, when you're doing the qualifying? Definitely. I mean, this year, Avon have provided us with a new tyre. And it's very different to last year's tyre. It takes a little bit longer to come in um, and then it plateaus and stays at the same speed for, for a long time. So it's getting used to that as well. You know, the boys that have had a little bit more experience can go straight out the box and know exactly what to do, whereas we're still learning. Um, but with, with time, that will come. And by the end of the year, you know, we want to be fighting for podiums and fighting for race wins. And I definitely believe we have the potential to do that. We'll come back to your hopes for the, the rest of the year uh, with the GT the British GT package uh, uh, in a moment, but I, I want to just sort of go off on a tangent slightly, Jade, if I may, and talk about the the Evolution Academy, the Aston Martin uh, initiative that you have been named as a part of. We spoke with Dan Lloyd last week on the show about this. Uh, it's it's quite an initiative, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant um, opportunity for all of us. I mean, there's only ten selected so that in itself is a big achievement because I can imagine with such a brand as Aston Martin they had a few uh, uh, emails in to ask for for a recommendation but um, you know for me it's massive I've not come from a family with massive financial backing so I'm learning so much you know we had the media training a couple of weeks ago all about social media and looking at yourself as a brand and you learn you learn every time you go there and we had a tour around the factory which is an amazing opportunity to see um, so for me, it's all about learning. Obviously, I, I want to succeed at the end and win the win this sort of factory backing. But 
I'm just going to soak it up along the way and, and learn as much as possible. I said this to Dan that obviously there is a prize at the end of it, which is uh, a works drive tailored to whatever, uh, whichever of the of the ten of you wins it. There's not a lot of specifics, but there's good reason for that in that the, there's a, a wealth of different experience and, and level of drivers within the ten. So um, it's something that's going to benefit uh, whoever wins it and their career undoubtedly. There is really, though, a way to look at this, Jade, is there not, that you've already won something by being in the, the top ten. And, and again, glass half full, whether you win at the end of the season or not, you've got to take as much out of this for your career and for your ongoing career development as you can. Definitely. I mean, even to be recognised by Aston as a potential candidate to be part of their work team is a massive honour in itself. So like I said before, is you know, when we have our lessons in the simulator and with media and fitness and everything like that, that's where I'm going to try and learn as much as I can and prove to them that I have the commitment um, and the dedication to, to into this sport. And, you know, my dream is not to just race at Le Mans or race here or race there. My dream is to become the first factory driver that's represented properly, properly as a driver, not a PR stunt, not anything like that. The first female to be really wanted by a factory team. And we wish you all the best in that. And, of course, for the season, I know that you and Chloe and, indeed, uh, all the female drivers that we always talk to, we always talk to you as a driver, uh, first, foremost and and only. So you will be judged on your season and your season performances, whether that's the results or the stopwatch, um, that's what you want to be judged on. So, as you've said, a difficult start, but going through the rest of the season, are we looking at season 2015, Jade, is a bit of a learning year for you and Chloe together with the team, or are you, you said you want a challenge by the end of the year, but realistically, we're not looking at a, a GT4 championship run here, are we? No, so for us this year... Um... We are learning a lot. So essentially, if we're being realistic, the championship is probably not what we're going for. Obviously, it'd be a bonus if we found ourselves in that position. And obviously, we're going to try our best. But we are looking for podiums. We want to be stood on the top step with the rest of the GT4 lineup and beating what is an amazing grid. You know, we've got 17 GT4s on this grid. So it's the biggest it's ever been. It's amazing. So, you know, if you get a good result, you've beaten the best, you know, and that's what we want. Um, I think that a championship, like you said, is a little bit out of our reach this year, but I definitely think that wins and podiums are on the cards. You also mentioned, and and we probably don't talk about this quite enough in in motorsport, but you also mentioned that you don't come from a wealthy family, two sisters, two siblings, doesn't matter what uh, version of gender they are, two (laughs) siblings from the same family in in a car in a British GT championship. Clearly, there's an element of finance that needs to be thought about here. Um, The British GT championship booming. So does that mean that commercially, Jade, you are able... Um, with the championship, with the Aston Martin, with GT4, to be able to offer a package that sponsors want to invest in? Certainly. I mean, I think the fact that we're um, two sisters uh, in an Aston Martin in British GT, it's a, it's a massive, unique selling point. You know, it does cause interest, it causes publicity, all that sort of stuff. So in that aspect, it does gain interest from companies. I don't believe that necessarily finding financial backing is any more any easier than if you're two males because, you know, at the end of the day, it's what they get from it. It's what British GT can provide them with the TV coverage and things like that. 
So we still have to work very hard. And um, obviously, as I said, with no pre-season testing, that's kind of showing that our financial status isn't as good as some of the other teams that are out there. But we're working hard. You know, we're tirelessly looking for extra backing mm. and support all through the year. And, you know, that won't stop until we have enough money to really, really fight. Like in 2016, we want to be fighting for championships. We want to be a strong team that's uh, respected in the in the GT paddock. I think the key to what you've said there, Jade, is just what a great platform British GT and now GT4, which is blown up out of all proportion into a, a real explosion of entries into GT4 within the, G, the British GT Championship. But that provides a platform that does provide sensible return on investment is the word that people talk about, ROI, for yourselves, for any of the other teams there. And in fairness, Benji uh, and the team at uh, British JT have done a cracking job over the last few years, have they not? 100%. I mean, all you have to do is turn up to one of the meetings now and you can see that even the crowd is a lot, lot bigger than it has been in previous years. Look at the lineup of the drivers in the championship. They've come from every walk of life. You know, we've got single-seater drivers, we've got GT drivers, we've got touring car drivers. The likes of Matt Jackson coming from the motor-based BTCC to now motor-based GT. It's showing yeah. that people are interested in the GT side of things now, and it's only going to get bigger. Benji's done an amazing job with SRO. The whole outfit's very professional, and it's a pleasure to bring your sponsors to those meetings because it, you're impressed, you're proud to mm. show off the meeting that you're involved in. When you talk to sponsors or potential sponsors, Jade, do they understand? Does it take a lot of explaining to say, look, this is a GT4 car. Aston Martin's a great brand, obviously, to to have alongside. This is what we're doing. This is the British Championship. Is it a hard sell or is it getting gradually easier as the championship is becoming better known? It's certainly getting easier as the years go on because people are more aware of it. Um, it has been hard in the in the past because people are unaware of GTs. They, they know about F1 and they know about yes. touring cars, but GTs has been a little bit in the shadows. But now, I honestly think GT racing is the, is the series that is impressing every year. You know, you can't go wrong with a bit of WEC this weekend at Silverstone. I can imagine the crowds are going to be bigger than ever <laughs> because more, more people know about it, you know? And you're proud to be racing an Aston Martin or proud to be racing another manufacturer. And um, to go into an office and show them the car that you're racing they automatically know an Aston Martin or they know another sort of brand and they get excited straight away to then bring them to a meeting and show them the roar of 34 GT cars across the line. You know, there's, there's not point. many people out there that, that wouldn't get excited about that. Yeah, that, that, that is a good point. It's something that, that the people can uh, instantly uh, relate to, particularly the, uh, the GT cars. Jed, we wish you, uh, we wish you all the best. Are you, uh, any, any plans to go to the Aston Martin Festival at Le Mans this year with you and Chloe? Yes, yeah, so Stratton Motorsport are running two cars there. Uh, we've got a couple of our gentlemen drivers from the Amok series that are involved in it. So I'll definitely be there the whole week. Um, and I will be taking my race kit and I will be sniffing around for a little seat and let someone get a late train over or something. We wish you all the best in that and for the rest Thank of you. the GT4 season and, of course, the Aston Martin Evolution uh, Academy. Jade Edwards, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll speak to you, I'm sure, uh, throughout the British GT GT4 season. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Jade Edwards uh, there. And Good stuff. Uh, we stay with sports car racing because we have uh, some news about uh, the Murphy team. The Murphy team? Do we? Yes. Okay. They have uh, announced that Karun Chandok will be joining them for Le Mans. 
Ah, right. Well, he's no stranger to them, of course. That's uh, uh, a reasonable thing uh, for them to do. He's uh, and he's certainly Nick. He was there last year, wasn't he? Yeah, was. and he's, two years. And he's uh, he's desperate to get back in. Obviously, he's doing Formula E at the moment with Mahindra, deal that he uh, helped put together. He is a person who is a great addition to any pit lane and paddock. Yeah, it's going to be confused, though, because when he gets into the pit lane, they'll just change the tyres and put fuel in it. He won't actually have to change an entire car, will he? Well, the worrying thing is he'll come in, jump out of his car and jump into the one next door. Yeah. yeah. Which, is five, <laughs> which is five, you agree, they've got two cars. But they've got, they've got one. Murphy will just add, add another uh, personnel to the crew, and his sole job will be... Uh, when he takes his belts off and starts getting out, you just, just push, push him, him back, back down. <laughs> push him Straight back jacket. down. Uh, good to hear of uh, Murphy's men uh, back in that. We're going to uh, welcome Graham Goodwin to the show tonight. Uh, we were going to give him a night off. Graham, good evening. Good evening, everybody. Yes, uh, you've got a house full tonight, John. Uh, yes, yes, we have. Uh, a very quick one from Graham with some news breaking from Silverstone. I was there this afternoon. Um, and we have talked about this on this show. This is Saad Moran. No truck there from Saad Moran this afternoon, Graham. I'm afraid it's not great news from Benoit Moran in a story that, that we were across, what, a week or ten days ago? Well, the first signs that uh, things probably weren't uh, going so well before uh, the AWEC prologue, but then at the prologue itself, there was the official launch of the team, and Benoit Moran, I thought, pretty emotional and uh, told me afterwards that uh, he had uh, sold the majority share in his part of the team, the Rand Engineering part of the team, and indeed in the Race to 24 uh, reality TV show that's planned to give the team uh, their sixth driver uh, for Le Mans and the rest of the WEC season to Keros Technologies. Uh, now, it would appear that sale has not been completed, uh, that uh, there are still legals and uh, processes to be followed, uh, what that means very sadly is that we will not be seeing either of the Morgan Evo Sards um, at Silverstone at the very least. Uh, I believe there are two different processes underway. There is a process underway to complete that sale and presumably therefore to enable cash flow into the company. And there is uh, a plan B of which I cannot talk quite yet uh, that might, uh, might rescue something from what at the moment you have to describe as being a rather unfortunate position. It does seem a little bit deja vu, doesn't it, after the, the, the start of the season last year for LMP2. Um, but uh, the Sarkarand story, I think, a little more complex than the ones we had in 2014, John. Is this something similar to what happened with Henri Pescarolo when he's, you know, effectively sold some stock in his team and then ended up losing control of his team and his name? I, I mean, this this sounds awful that, that Benoit can't get his own team to a race um, and, and, and legal issues over the ownership of the team. I don't like the sound of that. No, no, I think it's less complex uh, but possibly a little bit more desperate. It, it seems to me pretty clear that Benoit did not have the finance in place right. to mount the campaign. Therefore, effectively what we're talking about here was a sale um, to the uh, Keros Technologies group. Uh, that sale has not yet been completed. Therefore, there is no cash flow allowing the team to actually progress just at the moment. Um, it's, uh, if, if anything, so I think you, you drew the comparison with the Millennium Saga of last year. Let's hope not. Let's hope this can be sorted. I've spoken to someone within the team earlier um, earlier on, and the, the, re, the reality of the situation at the moment is they're working on solutions to get the team to uh, Spa for round two. Let's hope so, because if not, then I'm afraid the walls will start to circle mm. around the 
um, the, uh, the the monitors, of course, that those cars have got, and it's two cars, and we know for certain that the first two teams on the reserve list are ready to go. Uh, that is very bad news, of course, for the current six drivers, uh, uh, which um, are Pierre uh, Rag, yep. yep. uh, Christian Klein, Koki Saga, uh, Tristan Vautier, who's with the team for uh, the first two rounds of the year, and, Zorlamberg. and uh, Zorlamberg. So, yeah, bad news indeed for them. Bad news, of course, for the guys who rely on this for their living. And uh, you know what? Let's hope they can pull this thing back together. Um, the cars look good, were quick at uh, the prologue test, and nobody wants uh, you know any kind of effort to, to kind of hit uh, the, the, the buffers this early on. Uh, so fingers crossed that Ben Wam and uh, the Saad uh, guys and Keros can actually get this thing rocking and rolling, and we'll see the, the two cars racing by the time we get to Belgium next month, John. I, I, I worry about this. I, I really do. Um, but we can only hope... You say that you are aware of a plan B. Does that involve them, you know, without giving away too much? Would would that be something that could be put together in a relatively short space of time? Potentially, yes, but it does require the uh, the cash flow to be sorted first. So it's it's kind of plan one A, if you like. It does mean that uh, it would be a fundamental change in the the way and the uh, the, uh, the way and the where that the team is managed from. Uh, but uh, let's wait and see what emerges in the next few days. I'm sure there'll be plenty of uh, the usual panic gossip on this front uh, at Silverstone. But uh, for the moment, I'm sure one or two of the drivers are listening. Really sorry, guys, we're not going to see you this weekend. Um, and, you know, we wish you all the best uh, for next month and hope to see the team out and running at Spa. OK, Graham, thanks very much indeed. Graham Goodwin, editor of dailysportscar.com, just dropping in uh, with that news breaking that Saad Morand uh, not at Silverstone this weekend and we expect to see those two cars, well, we hope at least to see those two cars later on in the season. Nick, I mean, Chris, Christian Klein became oh, one of your very now. very favourite people it at Petit Le Mans, wasn't it, when he was driving for Peugeot? Yeah. You had a very good chat with him. We shared the odd drink. Uh, no, I, I always think Christian Klein's been massively underrated. Um, he made the, the fatal mistake of whilst being in the Peugeot fold, deciding to go and try and go back and chase the F1 dream and then had a couple of... Was it Cajun he went for? Was it even worse now? Was it... Um, Super Guri had a couple of rides for the back of the grid. I remember he was trolling around in Singapore at one point. Uh, was it Valencia? Some awful street circuit. Um, I still can't understand why you why he did that. No, it's, it's uh, no. He just established himself, hadn't he, in the sports car world, yeah, and improved and proved. Now, okay, Peugeot essentially, yeah, I know that. eventually, yeah. with 2020 hindsight, it would have disappeared. But he would have put himself in a position to be picked up by Audi or yeah. Toyota or Porsche. Quite conceivably, he could have been a factory driver for any of those three that I've just mentioned. More because, chance at the front of the grid of a yeah. sports car uh, grid than at, at the back of a Formula One grid. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It is a Series 10, Episode 15, coming up to quarter to nine. Nick Damon, Joe Bradley, John Hindoff and Marshall Pruitt has joined us in the studio as well. We'll have a, a chat with him at the moment in a moment or two's time when Nick nips down for his cup of coffee and his uh, pear and chocolate upside down cake. Uh, but back up to London now and Tim Gray who has a little more news for us. So what is next, Tim? Well, it's not news, of course, that uh, this year's uh, FIA World Touring Car Championship uh, calendar features the Nürburgring Nordschleife. Correct, three laps. So if you were running a team in the FIA World Touring Car Championship and you had a spare mm. car, mm-hmm. who would you put in it? 
Andy Priel. Who, somebody who knew the nerds. Oh, the, yeah. The okay. Yeah, Kevin Estra. Now they're putting Sabine Schmidt in there. Oh, Sabine Schmidt. I was going to say Sabine Schmidt. Sabine Schmidt. Well, a chance to see it. Can, right. you, can you turn Joe up? Because he's really quiet. Okay. Hang on. I, I am by... That's my nature. I was about to say Sabine. Because I've got a beard. When you said a, a Nürburgring expert... Yeah. That, she is the expert, isn't she? And a very nice person. And the good thing is, of course, being world touring cars, they won't get anywhere near the maximum speed limits we imposed at Nürburgring. It's very true. <laughs> well, they haven't got flat bottoms as well. They haven't got any power. They've got even less power this year than they had well, in previous years. It's not about power, it's about speed. Yeah, it's but about air speed. Yeah, but you need power to go fast. Yeah, but they're going to be doing 100 and, what, 120 miles an hour at that point. If that. The, the issue at that point's an issue. Yeah, you're probably right. But you're right, the flat button's more of an issue. Yeah. At the front I can only see her from the front. Yeah. I wasn't going to say that. Thanks, Tim, for bringing this up. Who's she driving for, Tim? Uh, Munich Motorsport in a Chevrolet oh. Cruze. In a Cruze? Mm. Heavens above, that's going back a few iterations. It's yeah. uh, the isn't only the Chevrolet the raced in Europe. No, isn't the ones that they've got a... Didn't they buy a set? Uh, yes, the yeah. organisers had RML build some to the new regulations. Yes, they did. Yeah. I, I apologise. Yes. Yeah, OK. Um, How's so it going, the World Touring Car Championship? It's still pointless? Has it started yet? Yeah, they had a round. Yes, they right. had a round in February. Do you know how I, you know how I know they had a four-month gap? That's right. That's right. The reason I know they had a round is only from Ben Consiguris's uh, Twitter feed. Yeah. That, that was right. it. Ben said, I'm going here for this. I've come back. Martin taught... <laughs> actually, the I reason... I remember Martin Haven saying he wasn't there. there. That's right, because he was at the World Championship oh, sliding. Oh, yeah, Matt Neal did, didn't he, or something? Didn't Matt Neal um, did They went to Argentina or something. They did, they? indeed. Well done, Joe. Five points to Bradley. I there. can't think of the track that they went to. Maybe Torres... Uh, no, it wasn't. No, 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 no. It, it was the one that broke up the, the bike first time circuit? they were there. It was a bit, yes, it looked a bit like it's, a it's the bike Grand Prix circuit. What's it called? I haven't the foggiest idea about the bright Grand Prix Excellent. Circuit. We're doing really well tonight. We Let's we not are, show ourselves. We have a panel of experts, of experts yeah, here. Panel of experts. All of them going to know. Could have been three. World Touring <laughs> Cars doesn't matter, though, does it? Thank you very much. That's my feeling entirely. Uh, everybody on the collective knows where the track in Argentina is. Loving, called. <laughs> loving the fact that Brabham, David Brabham, is coming back uh, to the World Endurance Championship at the weekend. If you missed the start of the show, that is our exclusive. He'll be driving for ESM in the Open Top Honda O3Bs. This is a car that effectively he helped design uh, and develop over its life as various iterations. Uh, they are on Dunlops at the weekend. No Saad, Saad Moran, though. That's the other big news that's just coming uh, to, uh, uh, to to us uh, this afternoon and this evening here on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, more news from Tim Gray up in London. That's Dirty Sexy Mosey. Yes. Right, okay. This is He's come back out of the woodwork, hasn't he? Has Ma- he? Max is out of the woodwork this week. Really? Is that what the, it's about? Uh, the Formula One team bosses need to be whipped into shape. <laughs> hey! <laughs> he really didn't say that. Oh, I'm sure he did. Who said that? I did. All right, okay. Yeah. Fine. Uh, he wants right, them to take a long, hard look at themselves. Mm-hmm. Is it true they're all getting spanked by Mercedes? Um, Stop it. Because Formula One's too expensive. No, really. And uh, if he was in charge, he wouldn't be. themselves in knots at the moment. That's the problem. <laughs> and if he was in charge, hmm, is it? I can't help thinking that one of the problems that Formula One has is that 
about ten years ago, somebody sold the right to the world to the third biggest. I think you'll find it was more than more longer ago than that. For a hundred years, for three peanuts and some magic beans, rather than actually getting their actual market value or retain retain them entirely, and then they allowed the person who bought them to sell them to venture capitalists, which appears to be where half the money disappears out of the sport. That would be one of my problems that might happen. But of course, that would involve placing some blame on Max Mosley, wouldn't it? And we couldn't do that. Yes. Okay. No. Max Mosley, great for safety, crap for everything else. Mm. Uh, there should have been a restriction on how much you can spend, and I tried to bring that in at the end of my time at the FAA, but I didn't succeed. No, because you were trying to go from 400 million to 40. That's never going to happen, is it? Just remember that, 40 million. When pounds. Lo- it was pounds, in fairness. Yeah, $60 million. Um, when the when right. Lola were pitching for it, I did an interview with Martin Berrien sitting at Le Mans in case they were one of the ones that got it did an interview for BBC Five Live, which ultimately obviously was never used, and uh, they were talking about $60 million to run an F1 I team. I bet he's glad he didn't oh. do that. Well, they went bust anyway. Because that's what that's why Marussia and Caterham are, and we lost HRT. Joe, Joe Kater, uh, Marussia um, have never raised more than about £30 million pounds right. in any of the seasons that they have been uh, in in existence. And they've been spending 70, 80 and 90 million pounds every year. That's why they're in the situation. I really, I really do feel for them because I know we... we do you? I do. I actually do. Because they came into this ball game with a set of rules that added capped at 40 million. So they put themselves together and got themselves... I know how hard it is to get to where they are. If, they, the if everyone the else was spending 40 million, then they could have lived on 30 yes, million a year. Yeah, that's quite right. comfortably. And they, but no, and then all of a sudden the rug was pulled from beneath them. It's like, oh, now we've decided not to do that. You're going to need 400 million. Really? How the hell are we going to compete with this? Well, then the option is to They've done a hell of a job. Do something else. Well, that that would be. However, when you've got could you've cut been your obligated. Cloth, right? Cut your suit according to your cloth. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. But if you if you spend two and a half times more. Than the half a million pound that you get paid a year to do what mm. you do, mm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you'd soon be in trouble financially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what also? <laughs> do you know if we had a forty million cap, do you know what would have happened? You'd have had a situation where you'd personnel wages would have gone through the roof because personnel wages, including people and drivers and marketing costs, were not included in that forty million. Yeah. Nor was hospitality. So people, would have, people would have literally spent all their money on selling drivers and technical people. Yeah. So if you had 400 million, you would go basically, you say, right, I'll have hit that driver 50 million, that driver 50 million, Adrian Newey 50 million, James Adams 50 million, I'll have them all. Okay, I'm 40 million on the car, but I've got all the best people now. Yeah, I know, but, but no. I, and then you'd get them work, to spend it? money out of their own wages doing uh, their yeah. own aerodynamic research. That's right, yeah, and also what you yes. do is. It, they, they, or you get, farm things off to third party yeah. No, you can't do that because that's included you, within your 40 million. You'd hold your, you'd hold your Christmas party at the Cologne Wind Tunnel just happen to do some testing at the same time. Yeah, have a full time. Time. You miss, you What we're doing it. is we're going to have our Christmas party in the Toyota Cologne Wind Tunnel. <laughs> and, as, and the main part of it is. A full-size car. Yeah, and then we're, <laughs> we're going to go on a ghost hunt in that, in that, in that, for that tunnel that the Ganassi had got, which goes to the, the, the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Hills. Yeah, we're going for a ghost hunt. We're just going to drive cars because it's frightening. And it's all coming out of a hospitality budget, <laughs> exactly, so that's fine. Yeah. 
and, and, and stuff uh, and, yeah, and, yeah. and staff budget that's yeah. coming out of us that's very good I never thought a- Adrian is so committed to the team he spent 10 million of his own money on, yeah. <laughs> on the wi- just on that working would be on the, the weekend that'll be in the contract you're going to pay you four, 50 million this year but uh-huh. uh, 40 million has got to come back into the team it's kind of an investment <laughs> so basically you're, you're, having, pay, you you're having pay yes. technicians like pay you, drivers well like Monty Python said you're going to pay us tuppence a month for permission to come to work so well well then so uh, Max Mosley, um, yeah, all right. Moving Max Mosley, not not getting irony again. Rent rent the court, rent the court again. Right, uh, moving on, Tim. Please. Uh, someone who uh, knows exactly what it's like to be trolling around at the back of a Formula One grid. Well, that doesn't narrow it down much. Mm-hmm. It's David Brabham. <laughs> right, yeah, no, that is true. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've already heard one uh, chunk of him today, but you uh, spoke to him more, didn't you? Yeah, yes, uh, and uh, the, the actual reason that I went to to see Brabs at uh, Silverstone today, or Brabs and I met up at Silverstone, wasn't to break the story of the ESM drive that just happened. Uh, it was one of those pieces of serendipitous occasions, uh, uh, serendipities, yeah, <laughs> that that, uh, that sometimes just drop into your lap. Um, however, what we went to, to talk about was Project Brabham, which, of course, was massively successful towards the end of last year. And by November, the crowdfunding target was well and truly met. That allowed David to get on with planning the logistics. Uh, He told me earlier on that the prospectus has been put together and there's all kinds of interest. But... First and foremost, the money that was originally raised was to go towards the digital portal, and he had some very good news about that today when I spoke to him at Silverstone. Yeah, it, it uh, got launched um, actually this afternoon, which is which is great, um, and that's been an interesting journey on its own. I mean, what goes on behind the scenes just to to get that website up and running? It's a kind of first stage website. It's, uh, it's not what's going to be Brabham Digital in the future because that'll be a completely different animal altogether because mm. that's, that's quite a complex thing. Um, but uh, what, we, what we did say is that we'll be working on the prospectus, which is nearly done. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I had my, my first discussion today with a potential investor. Uh, and also with the, the Brabham Digital website, it, we, we want a, a sort of access point for people to be able to, to look in, see what we're doing, how we're doing it, keep updating our community. And now they've got a place to go, which is the BrabhamDigital.com. Yeah. You set some fairly lofty goals, albeit not necessarily hard time skills on that, but neither were they just somewhere sort of vaguely in the distance either how do you feel that the project is going in terms of fulfilling those goals and is it possible now to think when we might see a Brabham a project Brabham car either ready to go or racing well I mean you know when we first started uh, saying it we thought oh let's go racing halfway through the year Mm. you know maybe we could start at Le Mans well you know um there were high expectations, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. But, you know, you've got to set goals and, and you know, if you can reach them, great. But um, certainly for us, it became uh, much more of reality to go, OK, let's work on towards the end of this year and, and get ready for next year. Uh, but at the end of the day, it will all depend on the investor conversations, how long that takes uh, and when the money's in the bank. Because as soon as the money's in the bank, uh, we, go, we, we, we start building it. And um, realistically, I would say 2016 will be when, when we're we're set and ready um if we can get out at the end of the year mm-hmm. i think that would be great but mm-hmm. you know that that would be tight 
the landscape of LMP2 could be changing and could be changing quite significantly. We'll probably find out more about that this week. Has that either adversely or positively uh, affected your plans? Because LMP2 was certainly something that you had your eye on in terms of, of getting the Brabham name out there. Yeah, no, obviously we've been in contact with the ACO to find out what's going on. We've heard lots of different rumours, so I I picked up the phone and went direct and said, "Okay, what's the deal? Um, And, 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 you know, obviously it's kind of been put out there that they want to try and tighten it up a bit, reduce the costs, which, you know, I'm not going to complain about if they're going to reduce the costs. Um, That that, that helps everybody, um, restricting the uh, manufacturers perhaps I think might be a good thing as well because there's not enough customers out there for the amount of manufacturers. So it would be difficult for them to survive. So, you know, so there are times when you've got to step back and have a rethink because mm. the, the costs always go up. Yeah. You know, LMP1 costs, uh, can imagine what, where they are oh, from five years ago. You know what I mean? And, and you know, this is, this is where, you know, our model stands. You've got to work together, yeah. you know, as, as a group. Um, and reevaluate the situation and say, okay, this has got a little bit of out of hand. How do we change it? What are the ideas? And you know, you've got a lot of lot of people in this in these paddocks. You know, that are, are smart people. Yeah. They've all got agendas, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's it's all about um, making a good show for the uh, for the for the series and and making it sustainable. If a limited number of manufacturers is what happens and we're still waiting for those proposals to be first of all publicised and secondly more importantly be finalised it may stop you from having a Brabham chassis or a Brabham car in P2 that clearly means a slight rethink but no, that no, it doesn't no because you can rebrand them yeah you can you can still um, you know we we would be buying a car and we'd be looking at to rebranding it as a as a Brabham because you can do that okay so in fact it changes very slightly what you would have done and it, it effectively your plans don't change that much at all which is great news what are we going to see next david here we are the wednesday before the silverstone wac and elms season openers the website's just gone live the next phase is clearly investment dependent where what do we expect to be talking to you about in the next few weeks few months etc well hopefully um you know, we, like I said, I saw someone today mm-hmm. about a potential uh, investment, and um, you know we'll be we'll be going out to quite a large market to, yeah. to go out and talk to people. So I think over this this next few months, it's really, you know, heads down, get the get get talking to investors and and, and raising that that money that we need to to get this program up and running. Um, you know, the response so far has been pretty positive you know but you know at the end of the day until the money's at the bank you, you can't get too excited this can't be open-ended though david so you must have set yourself a at some kind of time still which you may or may not want to tell me of a go or no go situation particularly if you're going to go race in 2016 actually no i i, I as far as i'm concerned it is go and uh, we will go out there well, and we will raise the money. Good. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Uh, David Brabham, for the time being at least, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, mate. David Brabham talking to me earlier on today in the paddock 
at Silverstone just after he had been uh, confirmed as ESM's replacement driver for Johannes van Overbeck. Our best wishes to Johannes. Marshall Pruitt has joined us uh, here uh, in the studio. We'll be talking about uh, some changes to IndyCar in the second half of tonight's programme. But uh, the interesting thing there for me, MP, and first of all, welcome to our humble abode. I tell you, I thought it was going to be easy just dialing in from home. You made me come all the way here. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, sometimes we just can't get the uh, can't get the connection. Interesting thing there, uh, David, saying quite categorically that he's spoken to the AC home, and even if the new chassis proposals with limited chassis manufacturers are uh, are pushed through and the, and those are adopted, he would still have a Brabham chassis because, in his words, you can rebrand a chassis. That's the first time I've heard that. Yeah, it's interesting having to piece together what various folks are getting from the ACO in these, I don't know if I want to say formative days. It seems like a lot of decisions have been made. I don't know if all of those decisions have been uh, broadcast or any of them have been broadcast publicly. But yeah, it's been interesting where you hear from this person and their conversation. They're told they can do this. Another person's told they can do that. So... Uh, I don't know if we see the entirety of the puzzle yet, but I know that uh, some of these pieces are coming out. That would be something uh, I think a lot of people would be happy to hear, because if you do have a sponsor or, as your own team, have a desire to have your name on that product, uh, if that door is open, then good. Maybe that's a little less restrictive than what we thought we'd be stepping into. And from the purely North American side of things, that is a massive advantage should one of the big automotive companies in the states or one of the small ones and I'll, I'll mention these not because i think it's definitely going to happen but the potential is there for ford for gm for mazda to want to come in and have something that not just has an aero kit or a body kit that kind of looks a bit like one of their vehicles but they might want to put their name either on an engine well that might not happen if it's a single engine over here in the uh, in the european series but on a chassis that still means that they get their name on the entry. Yeah, and I know one of the uh, one of the marks you mentioned to have had those and at discussions. Lamont, of course, that's above. Oh, abo- Above the garage. That, that's a huge part of the narrative that would be sold, of course. But I know that one of the manufacturers you mentioned has had that discussion in North America with, uh, call it the leading mark. We think that would get a contract, one of those four contracts, about this very same topic. We want custom body. Uh, we would want it to be named after us. And all the indicators they have gotten, much like what Brabs has said, is, seems to be that it could happen. Isn't that what we've seen in the past, though, with, with Orica becoming many, many makes? Been a, on Rock with a Morgan. Morgan. No, on was, on Morgan. was a Morgan. We've had a... No, hang on, sorry, you're right. Zytec was... Morgan was Orica. <laughs> on was something else. Yes. It's, you know... And... Um, Oak, thank you. Yeah. So haven't uh, we seen this before? It's Alpine, quite common. Alpine. Well, Lola was MG. Except it wasn't. I, I know it wasn't. It was Lola built the MG yes. in the same way that Delara for a while built Audi yes. chassis. Yeah. But they were always branded as Audi, and MG held the intellectual property on those chassis. But that got a but, bit but same those, as the Aston Martin. Those chassis reappeared as Lola's, didn't they? Uh, of course not. <laughs> um, same as the Aston Martin that was the Lola. Yes. Uh, which had previous. I mean, you know, it it, it gets it which gets Which then messy. became something else. It? Uh, it became no, a Delta no, wing. No, no, the Delta. Well, that was the Aston Martin's own chassis, the open top car. Right. But um, if you look at Daytona prototypes, there are three separate chassis 
that carry the Corvette DP moniker, for example, yeah. but they're manufactured from Coyote yeah. to yeah. Riley to uh, right. to Delara and more. So I, I don't know, Heidi. At some point, you have to question: Does it matter, or who does it matter to? To the the folks who really know about motor racing, they realize that this is just genuinely badge engineering. A sticker being placed on mm. the nose. We know it's something different. But if there's a genuine marketing effort behind that, that's nothing maybe, new. Is it? No, no, not at all. Nothing, it's, nothing, it's nothing new in uh, in automotive uh, as well as in motor racing. Something for us to talk about in the future. Uh, it's after nine o'clock now, which means it's time for this midweek motorsport. Half time, and while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. Uh, in the second half of tonight's programme, we'll be talking IndyCar and bodywork, uh, probably in the same sentence. Marshall Pruitt, as you've heard, is with us. Joe Bradley staying with us now. Nick Damon has uh, gone down for uh, his uh, to finish off his repast and will be back with us shortly because we'll be talking motorbikes in the second hour with the first two races uh, at Donington Park uh, of the British Superbike season as well. Massive crowd up there, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed us. Uh, and uh, we'll be talking all things uh, American uh, in the second hour of the programme as well. Uh, don't forget, at 10 o'clock tonight, uh, it is our WEC preview part one. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Uh, so let's get uh, straight to, I think. Tim, shall we go straight to the American stuff? We're going to go straight to the American stuff. We're going to start with IndyCar. Oh, okay. Uh, Two weeks ago, you said Chevrolet is the engine to have. Uh, Last week, you all uh, danced around in joy because uh, you thought you were right. Uh, Now they're on minus 228 points. Yes. Minus 228 points, but plus a bunch of better and uh, more properly functioning valve springs. <laughs> Is uh, that what it was? Yeah, so they found post-race. So how's this? I can't say whether it was purely post-race or if they knew going in, uh, but there was uh, determination on their part that the vendor that pl- supplies valve springs for the 2.2-liter twin-turbo V6 Chevy IndyCar engine, they were suspect. We didn't have any failures during the race, but uh, Chevy was concerned enough to replace Valve Springs post-race in 11 of the 12 engines that uh, competed in the event. Apparently the 12th one is low enough on mileage where, for whatever reason, they seem to think that will be okay, at least in the time being. But as a result, in IndyCar's rules about uh, how long each engine must last before... uh, it goes through its lovely little rebuilding phase. They'd had a little no-no. Just... Do we know which driver uh, didn't have his uh, engine changed? No, they did not specify which driver, although I could actually I could look that up and find out. Just I don't have that ability to do that right now. But bottom line is, although Honda was thoroughly trounced in terms of on-track performance, they actually leave St. Pete with a uh, fairly significant lead in the Manufacturers' Championship, which they care so much about. It's not very satisfactory, though, is it, at the start? Of this? I suppose you've got to put a line. We were talking about the earlier on about uh, British GT and the uh, the amount of uh, penalties that were handed out by Bernard Cottrell. Welcome back, Bernard, by the way. Good to see uh, that he is fitting well. I've seen him a couple of times recently and looks as fit as a fiddle. I suppose you've got to put a line in the sand. You've got to make sure that everybody knows where they are. And if it's outside the regulations, it's outside the regulations. It is. Mm. Uh, granted, is this something fans care about? No. Uh, but 
really is the manufacturers will tell you the one thing that well two things that go for each year winning the indy 500 and winning the manufacturers championship so we've seen this before chevy uh i'm actually forgetting what it was but chevy did this i believe in 2012 maybe uh possibly 2013 at long beach where every single engine um had a part changed and was subject to the same exact type of uh, penalty although at that point drivers received grid penalties instead of they're just simply being a manufacturer point penalty so not yes. the first time we've seen chevy essentially yank the entire fleet of engines for upgrades early in the championship but uh, uh with the rest of the races still on the calendar i don't think it's going to end up hurting them too badly that's not the only story that came out of st pete though tim was it wasn't it well the other thing we talked about last week was was bodywork ducking and, and dodging oh, yeah. Uh, and bodywork, and that has been addressed, Marshall. It has, uh, thankfully, uh, quietly. It's not something the series has addressed publicly, but the manufacturers have tended to uh, on their own with support from Delara. So with the Chevys and the tall upper element in the front wings, that most people who watched St. Pete uh, saw those items come off on at least half of the cars in the race. Those have been fortified, strengthened. The mountings have been improved. I guess that sounds good, although uh, my suggestion, and I think other people realized, they're unprotected. So you can make the mounting to the main front wing plane stronger, but if wheels can still drive over them, you can run into the back of the car and knock them off. Uh, there's, we might have a lower number of them on the track, but we're still, we, you would expect to see them on the track Any- still. But anyone, even who was partially sighted, would have seen those <laughs> would, have, would have seen those front wings well, from both manufacturers and said, "That's going to be a problem in the kind of robust racing that we have in IndyCar." Yeah, and I, I spoke with one of the the leading drivers who happens to use a Chevy engine, and his response was something along the lines of, "It's great to hear that they've strengthened them uh, going forward." But that also means that if it comes off, now something heavier can hit me in the head. Well, what's going to happen there if they've strengthened the mounting of that particular um, winglet that's that's sticking up? Means the wing when it gets hit, it means the wing's going to break somewhere else. It could. It could. It's just the fact that it's the protrusion element of the element. No pun intended there. But the protrusion aspect, let's say, of the design of the wing is what I find bizarre in them allowing that to go forward it's a bit like saying uh, i've toughened up my face so i can take a a better punch (laughs) instead of saying no 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 just put a little protective cage over the front of your helmet and you'll be fine it's just lacking the the items necessary to prevent them from being knocked off so that to me the fact that we've missed that part that's on the again we'll talk about honda in a sec but on the chevy alone they're still exposed might be mounted stronger but they can still be knocked off. It's kind of like given given the the, the, the design concept or, or asking someone, can you design me a wing that's going to give this car more downforce? And this person has never seen a motor race, let alone an Indy car race. Yep, there's your wing. That's going to produce you more downforce, mate. Now, what's it going to be used for? Oh, really? Oh, really? Is it? Oh, I see. Oh, that maybe is not going to work. It was just bizarre. And it ruined the race for me at St. Pete. The amount of yellows that we had. Nick Damon, uh, Nick Damon has uh, rejoined us. I am. Oh, Standing yes. me now. I've no, I have no headphones. I was like, <laughs> I'm probably sounding very bassy and attractive. 
No, you are. You sound very good. You sound very bassy. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's attractive, but uh, no, he well, can't you... hear me say that. So. No, he can't. So don't don't worry. He said you look very attractive from where he is. Uh, <laughs> Take about... that, but keep going. We, talk, we talked <laughs> sort of 120 miles away. Yeah. Um, that's the Chevy issues. What about Honda? Because, you know, OK, at the moment, look at the table. They look fine, Marshall. But that wasn't the series opening that they wanted. Frankly, everybody had trailed it. It's not as if it was a surprise. But they don't want that to be happening every way yet. Uh, obviously not. So two main things for Honda going forward after St. Pete. They have strengthened the front wing, end plate, and winglet package. That is was what was getting knocked off, ripped off, bent, flopped over. Those just became a nuisance, either on the track or attached to the car and causing problems there. They have strengthened the mounting for that unit. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that stands up not so much this weekend at new orleans proper road mm. course but at long beach where the final hairpin is just like a bodywork shedding manufacturing <laughs> yeah. uh, <or laughs> factory i should say turn one uh, the uh, in fairness the, the fountain problem, this weekend at uh nola new orleans might be can the cars float because the weather forecast yeah, isn't yeah. very good. Fair. Well, but the de- that extra downforce will help, yeah. of course. Uh, <laughs> then they are real dive planes. So <laughs> you have... And here comes the Honda Periscope. <laughs> <laughs> you have that with, uh, again, hopefully more of those aerodynamic pieces that start the race, finishing the race on the car, on the cars. You also have the performance aspect. And at least in pre-season testing... Uh, it looked like the Hondas were much closer to the Chevys on natural road courses. Okay. Now, uh, the street course bits, definitely some weaknesses exposed there. The gap was half a, half a second, if not more at times. So that's a big number, uh, especially year to year when you're actually trying to increase performance and the gap actually doubles, triples, or quadruples in the span of one year. So it'd be interesting to A, see how the Hondas fare at New Orleans, proper road course, high grip, high everything. And then when we get to Long Beach the following week, we're back to another street course. Yes. To me, if anything, that's the real indicator of, granted, we're only talking a couple weeks' time, but how much have teams learned about their aero kits on the Honda side to get the most out of them? Uh, I, honestly, I think Long Beach is going to tell us a lot about how the season's going to go. If those Honda teams aren't much closer to the Chevys, this might get ugly. Coming up to a quarter past nine here on Midweek Motorsport. Don't forget, at 10 o'clock tonight, the first part of our FIA World Endurance Championship uh, preview. Second part follows directly at 11 o'clock, and everything will be podcasted this evening. So if you're travelling to Silverstone, you should be able to grab everything tonight or first thing in the morning uh, or during the Thursday before you travel to Silverstone. Tim Gray is up in London and has another IndyCar point. I do. Before I uh, mention that, uh, mm. question for... Uh, Marshall, obviously normally your contribution to uh, Midwick Motorsport is when you're very much in a solitary uh, location, in your office usually. How does it feel to be surrounded by other people? Are you overwhelmed at all? One man without a beard, which is a Yes, which we're going to have to confiscate everything. Uh, you know, normally I've got cats and possibly even my wife at home, so uh, definitely surrounded by living beings. Just uh, actually a little bit more hair and fur at home quite often when it happens. <laughs> Not my wife, she would kick my butt if she was bumped into that, but no, it's quite good. I have no idea what Tim said, and Marshall's answer has left me no more, and has given me no information. It was just a question about you and your shaving habits. That's ah, all, mate. You're well, all good. I'm shaved. <laughs> Trust me. There we go. Let's move on. Uh, and what was... Ah. 
This is where Nick really does need headphones because he could then uh, tell us what this music is. Ask Nick what the music is. What's the music, Nick? I don't know. I can't hear it. Guess. One thing I learnt this weekend uh, in the noisy atmosphere of the Neo X, I can't lip read. I had people mouthing things at me the whole time. Can't lip read anymore. I'm sorry. So, what is it? Dear time. Guns N' Roses. Dear time drama. Dearly dear time drama from the 1970s, ITV, lunchtime. And 80s. And 80s. Set the high road. No. Doctors. When have we ever used Take the High Road? <laughs> Crown Court! There oh. you go! Crown Court. We oh. have used Take the High Road as well. Have though. we? Yes. Okay. Crown Court uh, can only mean then that uh, there's a, a legal story uh, that has played out this week. In fact, there's a legal story that's gone away, Tim, hasn't it? Yes, this is the story of a team that doesn't exist uh, suing another team <laughs> over a sponsor that doesn't exist. Yes. This uh, this is a bit difficult. Uh, hang on, let me just. Uh, uh, th- this is a team that doesn't exist, said Tib, uh, mm. suing another team that doesn't exist, or yes. a sponsor that no longer exists. This is the National Guard sponsorship, is it not? Yes. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you whether it is sponsors in North America or sports car manufacturers with uh, vehicles that ha- look like possibly look like parts of the male anatomy suing others for possibly creating. Yeah, I'll tell you, we're a litigious society, aren't we? Yeah, we found out this week that Panther Racing, which uh, went out of business, closed doors, sold everything, packed up. Uh, their bid to recoup, oh, I forget what it was, Tim, 13 million, 15 million, something, uh, a million. large, yeah, a large number that they lost out to the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan team for 2014 that was dismissed by the judge, uh, which effectively ends a long and frankly, uh, nothing but a bit of time wasting on everyone's part. So that's gone away, thankfully. And on a slightly different topic, uh, if you've read the internets recently, there's been a number of stories. Well, all of it. Yes, the internets. (laughs) There's been a number of stories on a number of sites, not necessarily motor racing sites, but uh, mainly automotive sites about the uh, evolution of the lawsuit between uh, friends in Brazelton and our uh, friends over here uh, that are related to a Japanese mark. So, yeah, uh, I'll tell you. Uh, Maybe interesting reading for some, but... Uh, it does get a little bit. I, I have a question based on the the previous point, because the article I read said that it was because of this row, it was the reason the U.S. military pulled their motorsport sponsorship. Is that a convenient A to B, or is that a fact? No, not at all. Uh, millions of, I, mean, I don't know the total number, but massive millions were spent each year: NASCAR, IndyCar, bikes, etc. All, all in the name of recruitment. And the recruitment rate was dreadfully low. So essentially, we're spending it just pure advertising dollars. We're spending lots of money to advertise, expecting to get something in return. That return was folks signing up to participate in the National Guard. Money is then paid basically for each one that's recruited. It almost nothing happened on that front so it was effectively a big waste of dollars uh, with failed recruiting they did try to activate some of that yeah. with having literally having recruitment booths at, at racetracks uh, and things like that and it, it just it didn't show any return for them no uh, i've seen seen them stood in them looked at them some of the promotions and it was the job that was done by some especially in indycar when panther racing was doing they did a fantastic job i have to admit i mean the quality of the production the materials made it quite easy 
I just don't know how many people say, hey, I'm going to go to the track and have a drink and scream and yell and cheer, and oh, I'm going to sign myself up for military service. I don't know if those two really go together <laughs> in terms lot, of Lots to drink. Yeah, yeah, lots I, to drink first, maybe. Do you know what Philip so. they'd be better off with the press gang? Get them drunk, watch the beer, watch the NASCAR, have a few drinks, and then just press gang everyone into the National Guard. We've never, we've never really copied that in Europe, have we? We've never, ever seen that. We just draft the grandstands. Yeah. I like that, you. <laughs> to the left, please. Yes. I wanted to Everybody draw. in an odd-numbered yeah, seat. Yeah. Yes, you're, you're in the army. <laughs> Even-numbered seats to the Marines, <laughs> please. Hang on, I, I just wanted to draft beer. Yeah, the heck, <laughs> the heck with a step never, forward. Have a seat. Okay, you're in. Some, someone said it was a draft. I wanted a large one, and oh... I see. I'm being measured up for a uniform. Fantastic. We've, we've never mirrored that in Europe. Have, uh, in Europe, have we? Have no. we ever seen any kind of military recruitment in, in any kind, in any uh, European country? Uh, the motorist. Yes, at Rockingham, we had uh, we had the RAF. Uh, RAF recruitment run motorbikes, sponsored motorbikes in British uh, superbikes. Yeah, they? they did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, uh, they didn't. Uh, they still are this year. There's a oh, RAF. They're still doing it. Really? Yeah. One of the BMWs. No. I. All right. I don't recall seeing any. I think it's RAF Reserve. It might be RAF Reserve. They have got. In fairness to RAF Reserve, they've got a big promotional campaign at the moment. It's on um, Talk Sport. They're running adverts for that as well. I, I think it was RAF Reserve had uh, one of the BMWs okay. at the weekend when I was wandering through Donington's paddock. Uh, we had on Ascar. We had. Um, yes, one you're of right. Peter Hickman is uh, writing for the RAF Reserves. There you go. Well, you were yeah. there at the weekend, very briefly, so I called you away. Yes. Um, I didn't actually see either of the races. I had to put those on DVR. Um, we've had... Um, Tim, didn't we have someone in British Touring Cars who had one of the services as well? And I, was it was it Pinkney who had them one time? Not as I remember. He had a football club. We have we have done it, but not in and and it's I remember and Joe probably you you can as well being older than me being old enough to remember when a f- <laughs> you, you were born you were born when a front engine car had, had won Le Mans. One's I never. Born, I was born on the day. <laughs> front, <laughs> the, the last ever front engine car. A won front Le Mans. engine car has never well, won. Never very dear. Might be wrong in a couple of years. The, uh, a front engine car has not won in any of our lifetimes here. Except yours. Wow. Yes. What time of the day were you born? Were the cars black and white then? On the Sunday morning. That's right then. Okay. Six Halfway through the race then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It the was. Um, in which time you... then were you born? In the oh, UK. Sorry. In the UK. Well, the Sunderland one. Do, so, do you remember? So basically, he's back in eighteen hundreds. Do you remember, Joel, when there <laughs> used to be um, an RAF and uh, military careers office at the corner um, in the in the town centre? Yeah. At the uh, at the corner of Mowbray Park Road. It's buying place now. Is it really? Yeah. I, it's just something Army I remember. I did. I went to RAF. That, that was. Uh, I went to Navy rather. Though I wanted to be a Navy pilot. And um, well, they said you were, would have to spend some time on a board. No, no, no. <laughs> they, they were I know gonna, someone who'd done that. What? <laughs> wanted to be a Navy pilot. It was Robert Shaw. I, I wanted to fly F 4s onto the deck oh of an aircraft carrier. That was told, my He thing. was told he was going to have to go on a boat. And he says, no. no, no, I'm here to fly planes. No, son, you've got to start on a boat. You fly no. them onto a boat. Yeah. That's the whole no, point. You, How incredibly passive. Oh. Going place, going electively, uh, at least in American high schools while I was growing up, my wife as well. The recruiters were allowed in the school. Yes. Yeah, my wife was recruited uh, into the uh, military, I, I think, during lunch break. 
<laughs> Oops, I yeah. seem to have signed up. Hang, hang on, hang on, I went to Hash Brown. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Let's get back to the automotive. It's just after uh, 20 minutes past nine. Nick Damon has rejoined Marshall Pro with Joe Bradley, myself, John Hindoff in the studio. Uh, and uh, back up in London is... Uh, Tim Gray, just before we go any further, something that we launched last week, but I want to mention it uh, again this week. A, a lot of people tweeting, obviously making their plans to come to Silverstone at the weekend. And I'm going to ask Marshall uh, about the last time he was in the UK and what his hopes are for the weekend in a moment. Um, we have got a collective meetup. It's it's not on the circuit as such. We are going to be me- meeting at a pub called the Crooked Billet. Uh, which is just outside Milton Keynes. Eve will tweet the details, and um, in fact, we eat there. We we've eaten there. It's, it's a collective member, Alan, who runs the place. The food is excellent, and I would suggest if uh, any of you want to eat, that you give it a call. Eve will tweet the details and put it on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective forum as well. Um, that is Thursday night tomorrow. If you're listening live, um, if you listening on the podcast it's, it's still three and a half years night. ago it's still it's still Thursday <laughs> night before the race um, and it's uh, 6.30 for 7 um, some of the RadioLeMond.com crew will be there I'll be there are you going to be there yeah Just, I'll be there right okay Joe are you coming I'm, I'm glued to your hip for the right, rest of the so, weekend right, so okay. there, I'm there um, I'll be there yeah Marshall's there Tim yeah. do you want to come I'll come for dinner no I don't think you can can you haven't you got things how to do how can you get there the cookie billet that's quite easy I'll look at their directions on the uh, on the website yeah, I haven't sold my car yet. There you have. What car? Susie. <laughs> I'll leave that one there. Okay. Anyway, so um, and also don't forget as well that there is a, a Nissan meetup as well. The Cricket Bullet is at a place called Newton Longville, just outside Milton Keynes. He's just outside. That, four so miles outside. if you are coming to up to Silverstone anywhere. Uh, and staying over on Thursday night anywhere nearby. It's worth a dodge over if you're in the uh, Silverstone area anywhere, then please come and join us. It's very informal. We're just going to have a bit of a fun, have a bit of a chat, talk about the coming season. Uh, and Alan uh, is mine host par excellence, he says, mm-hmm. mixing his uh, European languages. Absolutely. Right. Uh, and there's a Nissan meetup as well uh, at the circuit on Friday and Saturday. Uh, and uh, we'll make sure that we get all of those details on the website as well. All right, keep the tweets coming in at Specutainment and at uh, Radio Le Mans. Um, uh, a front-wheel drive has never won uh, Le Mans in Joe Bradley's lifetime. No, it has, Alfred. Front That's... engine, not front-wheel drive. Front ah, so, so, yes, front engine, sorry, not front-wheel so drive. So he's quite right no, there. He's quite right. We were talking about front-engine cars. Correct, correct, yes. Phil Hill, Olivier Jean de Bion. Yes, absolutely. In the Ferrari. Absolutely they right. They didn't win in 1932. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, he's sharp. He's even yeah, yeah. sharper in yeah. person. Just off a plane as well, you know. Yeah, that's pretty... He's been up for 107. Ah, but it is only lunchtime in his time. Yeah, that's fair right. point. That's yeah. fair point. Well made. Uh, Tim Gray, up in London. Where would you like to go next? Or can we talk a little bit of motorbikes since we were mentioning the... Uh, the BMWs? We were. We can go to that now or we can do something else. You take well, a pick. A or B? Uh, a. B. A. Lotecias en español. Ole. Por Midweek Motorsport. By the way, there has been an awful lot of. In fact, there was a, a, 
a whole discussion on the Facebook part of the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective about all the different music that we use mm-hmm. on Midweek Motorsport and people going through which one? A Viva España by Silvia was the original. <laughs> uh, was the original? I think about 1973. A number of list. these jingles are better. Tim, I, the new jingles are a lot better. I'm sorry, that one is not as good. Bono Estente. Exactly. It's, it's missing. It's the Bono Estente I need. Yes. Well, we have heard that. We yes. have heard that. There's a little blue pills that they won't have no problem at all. 74. Goodness 74. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I never, never, ever, ever go against Eindhoff in a music quiz. Yeah. Aviva España, Sylvia. Yes, who, who, ironically, I think was German. No, she, she was somewhere else, but she wasn't Spanish. Well, she, she certainly Swedish wasn't. Or something. She certainly wasn't. The Swedes were very popular in 1974. Uh, Everyone hates them now. Yeah. Do we? <laughs> no, it's a point. You look like news, in, news in Spanish then. I see. Let's kick off. Uh, do we have a headline or are we going straight into it? I'm going to confirm that she was Swedish. She was born in Udevalle and she was daughter of Harold Rethammer. Uh, excellent. Uh, so, news in Scandinavian tonight then? No, news in Spanish. Can you Hi-ho. hear that? Prueba in Formula 4 enter Lama dos a la Karma. Oh well, oh, there we are. Now, this, now this is actually one of the stories of the week, as far as I'm concerned, Nick. Go on then. Well, <laughs> I think that'll be about fair. But it's quite interesting, really, because what's happened is this sort of serendipity mm. uh, between Formula Four and the Dalai Lama. Mm. So what? They, you know how they? Um, I mean, Marshall knows all about this. You know, with, before a NASCAR race, they they they, they bless the drive. They had the kind of the the, the, the statement of you know for America and for God and all that sort of thing. Oh yeah, um, the invocation. America's God, by the way, get that straight. Sorry, yeah. um, but this the is the invocation exactly. Is what you're but what, what Formula Four has decided is to be much more with it. They're going to adopt the Buddhist faith okay. and Tibetan feelings. And so, as you get the Dalai Lama to come in and bless Formula Four. Really? Yeah. Hee haw. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. La representante de Michael Schumacher, pidió karma y unas expectativas realistas luego que el hijo del siete veces campeón de la Fórmula 1, Mick, acaparó la atención de los medios tras realizar un prueba en miércoles en la Fórmula 4. Well, obviously. Slightly concerned about this because it really? does appear that despite the fact that uh, the, the obvious presence of Michael Schumacher and his son Mick the Dalai Lama is going to be arriving in Renault Fuego yes which is often featured in the movie there's a, obviously a, a rotation of Fuego that goes round Spain promoting things press like the Pope Mobile I was going to say the Pope Mobile isn't it's, available it's the Lama Mobile which apparently yeah, Dalai Lama Mobile which is a converted Renault Fuego from 1983 and, and the the key thing about a Renault Fuego of course was <laughs> it, first of all I can't <laughs> see it uh, is that it was a failed design for what became uh, the Porsche 924944. It was actually rejected as a design for, for that and became the Renault Fuego. 924944? Is that someone's phone number? Yes. <laughs> Porsche 924944. Yes. <laughs> have, you, have you been sold? Payment protection plan? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Denle tiempo no subreaccionen con las expectativas y de genla Ir paso a paso, por supuesto que intentará hacerlo lo mejor posible, pero tiene mucho que aprender. Esto es solo el comienzo. 
Well, Marshall, obviously living in California, knows he's uh, knows he's Spanglish. So. I, I was just going to say, Tim, if you hear a knock on the door and you open it, you get punched in the face. It's just Oriole Servia taking great offense to, <laughs> to your uh, the, the numerous well, fouls. Well, of lots of passer a passer. Well, the, the key point there was that obviously in, in, in lots of passing, keeping in with the modern idea of crossover concepts. Not only did they decide to take a, a Buddhist invocation, but you hear X Factor. X Factor was in there as well. Mm. Simon Cowell's coming in mm-hmm. to give the kind of more commercial side of things as well. But also with a lot of passer a passer, lots of passing, lots of overtaking. Clearly, no. this is like multi-class. Is it not multi-fair? No, no, you're completely wrong. Push passer a passer. What it, we're in Spain. Right. It's tiki-taka. It's uh, Barcelona. Okay. They're, actually getting, they're going to have Lionel Messi and the whole Barcelona team there as well. And Lama and Simon Cowell. Effectively, they thought, right, we've got religion. Yes. We've got reality TV. Big seller. And we've got football. Yeah, massive. That, and we've got Michael Schumacher's son, Mick. We have the entire package now. Everyone's going to watch Formula 4. A coup. An a absolute coup. coup for Formula the, 4. The four cornerstones. Yes. Yeah. He okay. comes out fifth corner. Right. Okay. Excellent. To Campaniero de Escuderia, Sarah Harris, and Newey. El Hijo, Tambien de 16 Anus, de Adrian Newey. Multiple Janador. De campeonatos de Formula One con sus diseños de monoplazas. Now, I want you to no. be very careful this here. This all makes sense. Uh-huh. Well, we heard this in there. We won't, we won't go in more. There was obviously a bit of an insult uh, to Adrian Newey in there. Right. That's where the Renault Fuego comes in. Right. Because he thought he was getting like an Infinity or something. But no. Renault said, no, we'll get you a car, Adrian, you rotten liar. There you are. 983 Fuego. Off you go, mate. I thought they were going to cut a golf course down to 16. Uh, anyway, let's move on from that. Carry on. Is that it? Please that tell it, me it yes. is. Oh, thank goodness. Unless you want me to say, reported there, Alan Baldwin in Londres, editado en español por Carlos Serrano. Ah, right, OK. Mr. Ham. Yes, we had Ham tonight. It's very good. Well, I think we're all very much enlightened. I'm uh, impressed. I'm impressed by the whole pack they put together. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Morning Sport. We've still got half an hour before we start our FIA uh, World Endurance Championship preview. Graham Goodwin uh, joins me for that. First part will be GT and LMP2. Second part will be LMP1. Uh, and very much worth listening to. Uh, a, a nice little companion pieces, a nice couple of companion pieces to our prologue pieces, which uh, are available as podcasts. Uh, and we'll also be pl- replaying at some stage. Are we replaying the Audi thing tomorrow, Tim? No, or is, Friday. Are we ho- Friday, thank you. Okay. During if you want to be really subversive, you can download the two WC uh, preview podcasts and listen to them in the uh, alternate order. Really? Listen to, listen if to the you live one. a crazy life like that, whoa! We're going to talk okay. about bikes now. Hey. While we're mm. talking about people who live crazy lives. Okay. Uh, because uh, the extremely dull and predictable MC British Superbike Championship <laughs> uh, has yet again Shane Byrne uh, at the top of its championship standings. Didn't win the first race, though. No, he was very briefly not at the top of the standings. Yes. Order uh, has been resumed. We did uh, predict rather um, unashamedly that Shaky would win the championship this year. Uh, second in the first race, won the second race, but it wasn't it didn't quite go according to plan, uh, did it, Tim? Because all the big names were at the sharp end of the field for both uh, races, but they uh, particularly... Uh, well, OK. I suppose so, yes. But it, it didn't necessarily go to plan for a lot of them. And, it, and in fact, uh, Rio just dropped massively back in the first one. Couldn't get the bike to work uh, at all. And Which is why he's 16th in the championship. 
Yes, exactly. And then in the second one, um, who had to start from the pit lane? They had a problem. James Ellison. James Ellison, thank you. Race. Who won the first race? That's right. He had so to start from the pit lane. Oh, how brilliant! We're going to see him scything his way through the field from the back. And he, he didn't finish twelfth. Yeah, it, that was it. Was odd because he took a very long time to get up to sort of seventeenth or eighteenth, and then he picked off a few people. Uh, and it didn't go much further. Massive crowd at Donington. And the safety car, which should have helped him, had absolutely no effect. Yeah, the Nissan GTR that came out uh, quite early on in the first race, wasn't it? We had uh, most of the first... No, in the second race. In the second race, excuse me, was it? For I think there was three or four laps of, of safety car, and it, it didn't help him at all. Yes, sorry. Punched up the so. field, took no advantage of it. No, it was very, very odd. Uh, track conditions perfect, sunshine, very little wind, big crowd, uh, lots going on, I have to say. I was there on Monday, and it, there was a fantastic atmosphere, and I, I'm now definitely putting on the bucket list for this summer and Nick you'll be getting dragged along with me on your motorcycle okay. we will be going to some BSB rounds Cardwell, Cardwell. how oh. many weekends free do you think you have John none he's got two I don't think I've got that many Joe and how many of those can uh, BSB is often, is often on Bank Holly Monday and nothing else is yes, well that's you've had the one of their three so you've got yeah, two there's more there's another one in a couple of weeks time isn't there yes mm. I, I, it was a great spectacle. I enjoyed it. It's a big field. It's a very big field. There's some new names coming through, some new youngsters coming through. Uh, I'm afraid uh, Jenny Timmer didn't do too well in the factory Honda. Uh, I'm not sure she finished either of the races, actually. She, she has no points. Yeah, certainly fell off in race two coming out of Goddard's. Uh, just high side on the throttle coming out. Yeah, looked very nasty. She walked away from it, but it wasn't a great opening weekend. But Shaky Burn looks the class of the field. There's some interesting uh, new pretenders coming up behind. Well, Dan Linford, who was uh, my rookie of last year, mm-hmm. second in the championship now. And he looked very good, Tim. Uh, he's quite a solitary character, quite quiet. Uh, he was just sitting very quietly in the paddock when I worked, walked past there their awning just sort of contemplating life by the look of it but he is I thought he acquitted himself rather well he's he's made the transition from being a rookie and again it's going to be tr- it's going to be difficult to get on terms with Shaky but I, I think he has got a good run if he can keep himself fit throughout the season and keep getting the points he's got a good run and a decent championship finish finished 14th in the first race and didn't yeah. finish the second race. F- first race, I mean, he started, He was was he on the, fo- the front row? He was on the front row, wasn't he, for he the was. first race? And he just, he, he, I mean, not literally, obviously, because on a motorbike you can't, but he did just go backwards. He just dropped back through the field. And the bike, I mean, he looked like he was riding okay. The bike didn't look like it was a massive handful. He just didn't have the pace or the bike didn't have the pace. So there was either a setup problem or he had a head problem. And in the second race, he binned it and uh, drop way back. And there's a rule now, of course, that if the bike... If you go off the track and you don't fall off, you can rejoin. Yes. As soon as the bike tips over, even if you can, even if you literally are still sitting on it and it falls on its side, it's got a mercury switch on it and it cuts it out, and that's it. You're not allowed to restart the bike, even if the bike is perfectly uh, Yeah, but that's because of track you've really. had people pushing back basket cases which are leaking fluids yeah. so good job they never did that with Audis we, we, wasn't it we, we've had riders rejoining without brake levers and stuff oh yeah yeah. have you ever been to a bike uh, once, once it falls over you really have no, no idea how yeah, yeah, badly damaged it is no 
Trust me, I'm Hans Fellow. Joe mind. Bradley. I tell you where we are going to go. Where are we going to go? And I know it's still on a motorcycle theme, though. Uh, when we're done, we're going to go through the calendar for Scarborough. Oh, for Oliver's Mount? Yes. I've done rallying round there. That's well, that's. We're going to go and see some motorcycle racing round there. You're right. a full calendar this year. Can we go and see front as well at Scarborough? Can, so, I, can we have fish and chips on the seafront of Scarborough yes, as well? Yes, of course. Of course. What I really I mean, want to do this year, and I'm uh-oh. not going to have the opportunity because it clashes with something else, uh, is go to the final round of the European Touring Car Cup. Mm. Why? Really? Because it's being held at a circuit I, that is on my list that I haven't been to yet. Which is? Ennepegusa. Ennepegusa. Any circuit, circuit that held not it, 3,000 team has to go to. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. the same since they put the chicanes in. I, I love the way Bradley just says that as if he goes yeah, there every but, but, weekend to shake his Formula 5000 What, what you couldn't see on radio was the utter disdain on Joe's yeah. face there. Yeah. Like they've, they've taken, you know, almost like they've taken his best friend and tattooed him. <laughs> Got to watch it's, out for the snakes and lizards as it's well. It's the same, same with Mallory. It wasn't the same when they put the chicanes in. Yeah, exactly. Oh, don't get Bradley onto Mallory. We'll be here all day. And, uh, all 30 before. years. 30 years, 31st of March. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It is uh, almost 20 minutes to 10. Uh, we've got a bit more American news uh, coming through, and Marshall will ask to uh, to comment on this. Formula uh, E. Formula E. We'll come <laughs> to that in a moment. Did you go down to that, by the way? No. Uh, well, I had an invitation. It wasn't that far away, but frankly, last weekend was Probably the was only a... free weekend I would have off. From May, I'm sorry, March 8th through Le Mans. So I took that one weekend and said, nope. But also, wasn't there some grass growing or paint drying you could watch instead? No, that's harsh. The quality of racing, I was quite surprised by. It was better than I expected. Bobby Rahal wasn't too too complimentary about it. Uh, News coming in about Indianapolis Motor Speedway. One or two uh, little changes uh, to the the management structure there, Marshall? Well, the the museum, actually. uh, Yeah, I just saw the press release come through that they've added a few new members to their board. One of them being... Oh, sorry. uh, Rob Dyson. I I just thought it would be somebody else with the surname Holman. No. (laughs) Fred Holman. Or George. Ace Baker. Uh, no, uh, Rob Dyson being added to uh, the IMS board there. Um, interesting, interesting choice. Uh, I mean, obviously with his experience and background, also I would say having a very non-Midwestern yep. sensibility, uh, I think that could end up being a very wise wise call by them. If anything, uh, our friends in Indianapolis have been accused of being too insular, too, uh, too limited and restricting. Uh, to folks essentially from either the same gene pool or similar. <laughs> so uh, I think someone from New York with a very strong New York sensibilities, very good call on their part. Uh, Rob is a, a massive enthusiast, though. Always, always has been. Uh, loves. I, I mean, Rob and museums, perfect because he's he was around in the day. He knows the cars. He knows all the people that he needs to know, and he has got a genuine interest in motorsport i mean it's it's a no-brainer for me yeah and so having him involved again this is uh, the hall of fame side uh with the ims hall of fame and uh, i think there's somewhat world-renowned uh museum there uh great thing and at least for me i would not be upset if uh his role expanded into mm. bigger and better things because like i said uh the more smart folks you can get involved in shaping indianapolis's future the better uh the uh, final story on the US theme, I think, for now. Tim Gray, what do you have for us? Oh, so soon. I was expecting yeah. to have lots of American news. No, no, no. It's fine. Uh, this one comes from NASCAR. 
Okay. What is this series you mentioned I've never heard? <laughs> Stop it. The 2015 NASCAR Sprint All-Star Race is expanding to showcase more top talent. So Listen more All-Stars. More All-Stars. Showcasing more the sport's top talent, NASCAR announced changes for the 2015 NASCAR Sprint All-Star Race that will elevate the excitement of this annual classic. The field right. will include race winners from the 2014 and 2015 seasons, as well as former NASCAR Sprint All-Star Race winners and NASCAR Sprint Cup Series champions who are full-time competitors, all of whom will compete for the $1 million prize awarded to the winner. Dollars. Prior to this change, former NASCAR Sprint All-Star Race winners and NASCAR Sprint Cup Series champions were eligible only if they accomplished that feat within the previous 10 seasons. So basically, they've changed the rules so that Terry Labonte is still allowed to enter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, uh, Tim, it just sounds a lot like NASCAR's ever-evolving qualifying rules. Oh. If you've driven one of these vehicles, You're in. if you've led a lap, if you know somebody that led a lap, if you have a die cast of a car that led a lap... If you've accidentally joined the army whilst you thought you were buying a beer. <laughs> um, I mean, look... It, I did we want know, it. I did the uh, B. Petty driving school at uh, Las Vegas you're once. And, uh, You'll be at Charlotte. Uh, yeah, I'm in. I think I might be in. I love it. Uh, look, we know NASCAR is sport and entertainment. Mm-hmm. And in, at least for me, when I hear about these kinds of changes, you say, you know... It, truly, everything they do is for the fans. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily to appease some for the draconian rule book. So, hey, this is how they get down. Uh, this is how they have fun. And hopefully the fans enjoy seeing Terry Labonte. Uh, the, uh, it, it's interesting because uh, people are, are very divided on uh, NASCAR in the U.S. It, it's pigeonholed into a particular area. It's motorsport. I, particularly the longer races, I find absolutely intriguing the way that the guys are tuning their cars through the race and I'm looking at Bradley and Bradley's nodding here in some ways it's very pure motorsport isn't it Joe because you've got a car you've got a 500 mile race it's going to last four or five hours no driver changes so it's you your crew chief and your crew working like together like a single seater race yeah, there's, you, there's no point in trying to change drivers. No, uh, no point in trying to change drivers. No, no, it's just, no, just pointless. No. Um, um, the, there's, there's no point in attempting it. There's the, the, you are tuning your race car for the last 50, 60 miles. And, and there's, there's a lot to be said for that, isn't there? There's a lot to be said for driving at 200 miles an hour. In a three and a half thousand pound side car. Yeah. It, it, television cannot convey how skillful that is mm. and to bring in then the science of the aerodynamics and the way the car side works, drafting side drafting you've got to look very very carefully at nascar to see it if that makes sense yes well, i it's, think there's it's, another it's, another point to that as well joe is if you replaced the accents uh of the those driving those 43 stock cars each weekend with uh english accents or similar i think there'd just be a a different mindset in how those who approach the sport because again it's southern you hear the little bit of the hillbilly accent it's easily dismissed and I, there are elements that are easy That's to dismiss but we, just from we, a pure sporting standpoint we don't see that in europe but when we see that it's an american accent and yeah, we exactly. don't get that what we get is um it's american racing you know so nothing better to do your ironing too is there i have uh, well absolutely. until it went on a stupid channel yes joe's uh, done a fantastic job of ironing his shirts for this weekend by the way unfortunately <laughs> Unfortunately, they Nick, haven't Nick made the Nick hasn't dined for three years now. No, but, uh, seriously though, Marshall, uh, Nick Tandy revealed on our prologue that his ambition is to drive a cup car. 
Uh, not a Porsche Cup car. He's already done that. A, a Sprint Cup car. And I, afterwards, after we turned the recorder off, I said, are you serious about this? Yeah, yeah, no. I, it's what I've always wanted to do. I am such a massive fan of it. This is a guy who's going to drive a P1 mm. at Le Mans this year. Mm. And he wants to get out. And if we could get him, if we could get Nick Tandy a test in a Cup car... We would make him very, very happy, and it would make a great piece. I'm sure we can make that happen. I'm sure you we can. You look at someone like an Andy Lally, who mm. has won, excelled in everything he's driven in a road racing discipline, did end up winning the NASCAR Rookie of the Year award uh, when he was with TRG making his debut. But you look at someone like Andy, who's used to winning and dominating, or close to in whatever he does, NASCAR was very different, a huge challenge for him. So I'm not talking about a Dario or a Montoya coming from the top of their, you know, a top mm. international sport, but just someone from the lower rungs of road racing, you saw how hard it was. And I think that challenge alone, Joe, to your point, you go, wow, yeah, maybe it isn't just a bunch of dummies going in circles. Maybe there's a lot of stuff you have to figure out to succeed here that totally different from it's what they It's a piece of cake. Drive fast, turn left. No, no, no it's not. And, 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 you know, Nick said, uh, you know, maybe I could have a go on a road course. I went, no, you don't want to have a go on yeah. a road course. You want to have a go on an oval because... That gives you the real NASCAR experience. And a number of people, after we'd had that exchange, and in fact he was on Twitter last week talking about this, a number of people saying, are you going to Petite? Are you going to the States? There's places you can go where you can put your money down and have eight or ten laps in a in a pretty decent uh, representation of, of what you would fail to do it. And he's right up for it. So if there's anybody listening out there who wants to get in touch with us, we'll put you in touch with Nick Tandy. And if you think... Well, we, we there's got to be somebody that we know that will get Nick Tandy into a cup car for a test at some stage. I mean, I know uh, a guy named Roger who uh, had a, a fairly long relationship with, with, uh, Porsche. with Porsche. Roger, um, p- 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 uh, I'll talk to Roger about that at Long Beach. I think that might be fun. Maybe we, and funnily enough, which I'll put this uh, this will be going into one of my uh, Silverstone WC notebooks. Uh, one of Roger's employees, young William Power. Uh, has a great ambition to drive a P1 car. So maybe there is an actual swap. Power in the Porsche P1. Nick in one of Roger's cup cars. I think we got something to uh, get cooking here. See, there's, and there's a racer article. Uh, we can make it happen here. If Nick Tandy's listening tonight, he's now more excited than ever before. Uh, <laughs> he's that's on the phone the... to Will Power already. Already, yeah. We'll make it happen. Um, that's not the end of the Hall of Fame story, though, is it? It's not the Hall of Fame story. It's the Sprint All-Star race. Uh, sprint, oh, sorry, the Sprint All-Star race. Yeah, uh, Because it's going to increase by a total of 20 laps the first four segments out of five are scheduled for 25 laps this season instead of 20 and then there's the final 10 lap shootout bringing us a grand total of 110 laps not not wishing to sound like a you know an ignorant person of motorsport what what happens in the first four bits it's it's knockout it's like the the 120 for the gatorade 125s and you knock certain people off the back Now, there will be a minimum field of 20 drivers at the start. There are currently 17 drivers eligible. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, apparently changing these rules doesn't make uh, Terry Labonte eligible still. (laughs) But (laughs) it does bring in two drivers who previously weren't, Matt Kenseth and Ryan Newman. So Matt Kenseth and Ryan Newman haven't won a race in the last two years? Uh, And they haven't won the championship in the last ten or the All-Star race in the last 10. Matt Kenseth won the All-Star race in 2004 and Ryan Newman in 2002. Oh, my God. Is that makes us feel old, doesn't it? Yes. It makes me realise how quickly time goes by. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Ten finished, minutes Jeff. left. Oh, sorry. Go so on. Sorry. 17 drivers currently eligible. 
which are AJ Almondinger, Alex Calmarola. No, no, don't, don't, don't. Three spots available, that means, to make their minimum 20-driver field. Mm-hmm. Two of those are reserved from the segment winners from the 20-lap sprint showdown segments on Friday, right. May the 15th. Right, OK. Uh-huh. And the final spot belongs to the sprint fan vote winner. Right. Oh, uh, right. Ah, I have an idea. We need, to, we need to write in Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> Nick Tandy. Nick Tandy. Let's, Let's get Nick Tandy. Surely. Nick, Nick Tandy in the fan vote. Let's get him yeah, into yeah. the all-star race. That's two two birds with one stone there, guys. Well, there's, all, there's all four of us here. is Dale and Hart Jr. get two cars. Yeah. <laughs> one for each foot. Yep. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, when is the all-star race, Tim, remind me? Well, the May. sprint fan vote will be announced at, uh, well, it closes at 7pm on May the 15th and will be announced after the 20-lap sprint showdown segments, which start at 7pm on the 15th. Okay. And then the All-Star race is on Saturday, May 16th. And this is at Charlotte Motor Speedway, presumably. It is, always. Yeah, yeah exactly. A great facility, actually. One I've actually been to, but not to see, oddly, not to see uh, not to see stock cars. Maybe I've been to Charlotte, but not been qualifying to the, for the new 500. I've been to neither. Never been there or to the track. I broadcasted... The American Le Mans series. I broadcast an American Le Mans series race there from uh, the corporate box of Brooklyn. Humpty Wheeler. Ah, oh, Humpty Wheeler, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it 99, 2000? 2000, I think, yeah. 2000 on the road circuit. 2000. Um, and it actually wasn't a bad race. Those Rovals um, were pretty universally unloved by um, spectators, but I actually quite liked some of those races. I was there, I think, 2006 maybe, when they had a World Challenge race they threw in there. Wow. Uh, yeah, and they, uh, Casey Kane was dropped because he was driving for one of the factory Dodge drivers. Casey Kahane, maybe. Sure. Yeah, it dropped him into the race in a uh, Dodge Viper, and that was, again, just a bizarre blast to see. On NASCAR, the- NASCAR, NASCAR, oval. Yeah. And then kind of Roval-ish thing, Cadillac World Challenge cars, it's, Porsche Cup cars, yeah, it's just one, it's bizarre. one of the it's one of the only Rovals. It's one of the only Rovals that has undulations. Yes, there's actually a big there, rise. There in is the a rise in the middle. That's right. Well remembered. A lovely, lovely. So were you there track. in 2000 with us? I think so. <laughs> I must have been if I remember that bit. But you said or you have you just driven it on i racing? Pro, pro, well, I don't know. I've driven it on i racing, but um, was I there in 2000? Yeah, we don't know. I didn't miss New your segment. brave. I didn't miss Was Joe there in 2000? Years. Next yeah. week on... God, I can't even remember to bring me shirts for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, iRacing have teamed up with IMSA. Uh, yeah, that's right. And yeah, I, know. I noticed this week, and the ever-growing championship list of... Uh, of playing games on your computer and not Hydoff seeing the light of day. needs to get a free subscription for that and get Why? in there. What? So we, you he can jump with us. Joe, That's first true. What, first you've got of all, six hours setting the car up first. No, Joe, first don't. of all, I haven't got time to go and do the real racing that I want to do. Never mind doing that pretend get racing. Beat. You're afraid. You know what it is with you, Hindoff. I know exactly where it is. You become obsessive with computer games, and you'll be here. And you'll be here. You did. I'm not going to mention the, the license story. I'm not going to mention my ruining of my li- my iris and license by Mr. Hindoff. <laughs> but you would be here, and it would take over your life. It's just a game, Joe. But he has a license. He's licensed he's to play li- games on the internet. Licensed yes. to play games, yeah, man. Licensed to do a lot of things. There's some things he's not well, allowed to I'll do. I'll tell you when we're off air. I'll tell you the story. <laughs> it's a hilarious story. But he'll, he'll embellish it massively, I by the way. Don't need to, mate. It's funny uh, enough. Seven minutes to go. Tim, where are we going next? 
Do you want oh, me to finish this NASCAR story? Oh, it isn't oh, done. No, no, really. It was, on, done, it was done and done a very, very long time ago. Drivers uh, in the 2015 NASCAR no, 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 All-Star no. race will compete in cars that conform to the rules. Well, that's <laughs> <change>. <laughs> Did they happen to mention which rule book? Yeah, exactly. MotoGP's. Yeah. Right. Uh, Marshall Pruitt is with us, as you probably realise. So is Joe Bradley. That can only mean something's happening this weekend. It is. It's the first round of the European Le Mans series. Our preview for that has already played out, but it will be available as a podcast. It's also the first round of the FIAWEC this weekend. Extended coverage here on RadioLeMond.com. And uh, live uh, at Silverstone on 87.7 FM and 1602 metres on the medium wave band. Um, really? Yeah. We're yeah. meeting with as well. Um, it's chopping and changing over the weekends. I haven't quite found out which days is which. I presume that the race days are FM and it might be on 1602 on Friday. I've only got an FM radio. Well, then on Friday you I might be, be hearing useless. You. I won't be hearing you. might be you. useless to us. Um, the, I remembered a radio. Did you? Yeah. I've got Excellent. a dual band one. Uh, MP, when was the last time you were in the UK? 2008. And what were you doing over here then? Uh, let's see, it was here for 24 Hours of Lamar, came over for test day. Um, flew into Heathrow, uh, spent some regrettable time at uh, Sam Collins' house in the Shire. Is uh, that when we went up to Bedford yeah. and did the GT4 Aston yeah, driving Yeah, that was thing. fun. You, me, and Sam. Yeah. I believe Sam was last. Yes, he was. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, that was a lot of fun. But I ended up staying here for the entire duration. Uh, spent some time in Sam's uh, hood. Uh, Hovel. <laughs> yes. Uh, my Garrett feet, room. My feet have healed from all the puncture wounds from mm. the floorboards and bottle mm. caps. But yeah. So uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, last time I was here, George W. Bush was uh, America's president. Uh, scary. So have you been to Silverstone? Scary for all of us. No, first time. So you've oh. not been to Silverstone? Oh, excellent. I, I, then we'll have to quiz you across the weekend as your impression of it. Two pit lanes for ELMS and WEC. I know that you're mainly here for... WAC, but hopefully you'll get some time to have a look. There's a gap between them of quite a bus ride. There's um, also a gap on the roof of the wing, but let's look at that now. I know, it's been put right. Oh, I, really? saw, I saw evidence of that today. Took top pictures of it. Work. I know, all, all uh, absolutely waterproofed again, which considering the weather forecast for Sunday is probably just as... It was only cosmetic damage. Yes, moving on. Uh, the what what are you expecting to see at the weekend in terms of ELMS Rain. and particularly uh, WEC Marshall in terms of the competition? The WEC side, I cannot wait to see what Porsche has to offer. We saw what they did at the prologue, which mm. was uh, if you want to talk about is there a time to sandbag or a time to hold something back? Good lord, they didn't get that message. I'm <laughs> well. I was fascinated by the 919 when it was announced. Yeah. Two liter V4 turbo. Mm-hmm. How crazy is that? Two ERS systems, mm-hmm. uh, and then going to the eight megajoule class. Reliability, obviously, a big question. We know that they've done plenty of you know 30-hour tests and whatnot. But good lord, we've gone from a few, just a few years ago where we have these incredibly complex P1 cars, strong uh, internal combustion engines with hybrid as an assist to Wow, those numbers are getting pretty close to equal. Well, if, in some case, probably more. More. And so we've now gotten to a place where, if you're just looking at the top class, top technology, these are scary vehicles. When you're looking at essentially all four of the manufacturer entries in P1, I don't know if they would want, if all of them want to boast this, but you can assume that they are all at or exceeding four digits worth of horsepower. Oh, more yeah. than a thousand horsepower. Just One to think, is that becoming the horsepower. standard? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. In a world How that's crazy. dominated by 1,000 horsepower cars. <laughs> but just imagine that. that. I mean, if yeah. you look back at other famous no racing process. series, you the Can-Am with the Porsche yeah. 917s mm-hmm. and such, and you go, well, this one maybe broke that barrier. Or, again, you can find select places. How crazy to think that the top class, essentially that's become, I don't want to say the, the minimum, but that's really the buy-in point to success. Mm-hmm. And... The kind of numbers that we're seeing now leads me to believe that lap records will go this year, that uh, lap records potentially even at Le Mans. We had a, it was a drying session, wasn't it, last year for qualifying? Mm. So we might not get a direct comparison of first speed because it was a, a wet race. Was it this year, last year was a wet race? Wasn't it? It was yeah, yeah. So I started, started wet. Lot, yeah. Start. Started, and then, yeah. very wet. and then there was a cloud burst, remember, and some bird in the Ferrari went piling into everybody. And then it got very, very wet, didn't it? Yes. Towards the, at the end. Yeah. So, I, I, it, if we have if we have decent conditions everywhere this year, um, we we will see very, very fast time. This is the year. To, if if you are at all marginally interested in sports cars. This is the year to go and see sports cars this I, I year. I was excited at the start of this, at this time last year. I was really excited for the World Endurance Championship with, with Porsche coming in. Yeah. I am overwhelmed by the start of this year because this is going to be some year. We're going to have Nissan coming into the mix at, at Le Mans. Um, going to be a fantastic. MP? Where I, I really think the big year-to-year growth is most impressive P1 headlining showcase class, yeah. we know that. Great. We have a new manufacturer coming in Nissan, bring that to four manufacturers. Great. But you look below that. That, to me, mm. below P1 is where the WC has really gained strength. So yes. P2, uh, more variants. Strong, at least to start the season, very strong. We know there's been a subtraction or two of, of entries uh, just that you mentioned earlier. But then you look at the GT Pro and or the Pro and AM classes last year. Four, Fourteen cars, seven and seven this year. Those weren't necessarily well populated last year at every round. Uh, you look at the numbers coming in to start the season again. It for a series that is as international and as expensive as a WEC, it's normally a gradual tapering off year by year, and they're doing they're, they're breaking still the trend. The numbers are coming up. The the lower classes are growing. Uh, we hope. That never changes, but it's just really impressive to see. Also, as well, I think we're getting into the age, and we'll wrap this up in a moment and go to our WEC preview with Graham Goodwin. I think the advent of more single entries in national events. So Spa, of course, a lot of people go to because it's a uh, you know ELMS teams, other people who go to Le Mans. It's a great warm-up, so we'll have a bigger entry at Spa. There's one or two entries here in the. UK that are a bit different because people it's it's their home race and I think we'll see more of that uh, in this season and in and in coming seasons and the WEC will encourage that it's not like it's a closed door yes we have 30 odd season entries but if you want to come along and you don't need to be part of the transport package because you're already in a, a country already there and I think that's a great idea and and we saw it of course at Cota last year with ESM and and look where that's led. And Corvette as well, uh, yeah. by adding a car for the mm. uh, for the Taylor brothers and Miller. But yeah, brilliant to see. You want that kind of inclusiveness. Uh, Joe Bradley, Marshall Pruitt and Nick Damon have been with me, John Hindov here. Our responsible adult was Eve Hewitt up in London. Uh, our executive producer was Tim Gray. Next, it is the FIA WEC preview. Graham Goodwin with me, John Hindov, for a couple of programmes to have a look at the field. But there's no time to explain. The Llama is packing her bags and getting ready to decamp to Silverstone. 
This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.